on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we have an array of guests joining us. Uh, the legendary Mr. Ricky Gervais comes on to talk all things Afterlife Season 3 with co-star Tony Way and Nell Tiger Free, star of Apple Servant, which also returns to our screens for third season, is with us as well. But that is not all, because in addition to that, we take a look at all things that go boom with Vicky McClure and Adrian Lester in Trigger Point on ITV. We hunt for Stanley Tucci's buried treasure in La Fortuna on AMC and stage an almighty comeback with 90s hip-hop act The Nasty Bitches in Queens on Star. Oh yeah, Baratnas, me James Dyer, Untoshida Wang, the Pilot TV podcast. Tuzush King, me finish Cal Tuzania, ora da expanse, so the im Keradzang, me shosa belta. And for all the inners among you whose belter isn't quite up to scratch, I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, where you will be thrilled to hear that I managed to finish my rewatch of The Expanse two days before the final episode landed on Prime Video on Friday. Allow me to watch the finale with everyone else, and let me tell you, it has been glorious. Yam Seng! Beltaloda. That is a grand total of 62 episodes of The Expanse since Christmas. Beth, which by my calculations is a full 6,000 hours of television, which I think we can all agree is pretty impressive work. Uh, <laughs> but before you get to hear me bang on about that show one last time, I should introduce, of course, my two long-suffering colleagues who are as excited as you are to hear how Marco Inaros fared when faced by the combined forces of the UNN, the MCRN and the United OPA. First up, a belter pirate of the Swindon faction is Beth Webb. Hello. Hello. I, hello. That's, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take whatever that was. I'm sure it was nice in, in your special way of telling me. Thank you, James. Well, you know, I feel like I've never had the opportunity to do an intro in pure belter before. So this is now my last <laughs> opportunity to do so. And here we are. Uh, also with us, of course, is Martian Gunnery Sergeant Boyd Hilton. How are you? I'm um, okay, thanks. I was watching the episode of Frasier this morning, funnily enough, where um, Frasier gets told how to do these bermitzvah speech for his son in Klingon. And um, <laughs> it's a whole scenario where he, does, he thinks he's talking Yiddish, whereas, in fact, the guy's got him to talk Klingon because he let him down by not going to the Star Trek convention and getting the autograph of um, That's funny. whoever it's... Yeah. Um, so, so you're telling me this fictional language in The Expanse... Yeah. Like yeah. you can speak it now. No, I can't. I can go onto the <laughs> website, uh, like whatever it is, like beltatranslator.com, input my speech and have it translated into Belter. That's what I can do. Uh, okay. So no, I, okay. I didn't. I used, I had the assistance of a website. But yeah, it is actually like they developed a language. In fact, I read a thing that there are 200, I think, fictional languages in circulation from TVs and films, which have been developed by linguists to help people do the show for consistency. Like Klingon obviously was the famous sort of first one. We've had Dothraki, we've got Belter, we've got all sorts of things uh, even the Sardaukar language in dune had like a, a linguist come in to talk about uh, how it would work and it's like right. it's like taking out co certain consonants and vowels and compressing words because it's a very efficient language that but belter uh which is a very specific sort of creole slang is like a combination of different languages and accents funnily enough a comedian this week was saying how he thinks the belters in the expanse sound a lot like reese shearsmith in uh spaced you know the scene <laughs> the, yes i yes. hadn't thought of that so yeah. like, that yeah. is not far off the Belter yeah. accent, um, but it is Brilliant. it is pretty glorious. But yes, of course, we'll jump straight into what we've been watching. And I have to say, I have been watching The Expanse. There's no <laughs> surprise there. And I'm really sort of like sad that I finished it now. So as we record this, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, we're recording this on Thursday. So the final episode of The Expanse drops tomorrow. So I will watch that feature length episode with everyone else again tomorrow. Though I have already seen it. Uh, but I have watched all the way through and I, I timed this 
accidentally quite well. But I've watched every single episode before it. And I have to say, like, it's one of these shows where it benefits enormously from being binged. Uh, and I think that one of the reasons for it is that's because it's based on novels. There is they're layering in foreshadowing and teasing for things that happen in season five way back in the first episodes of season one. Like it is incredibly tightly plotted and they know exactly where they're going. And obviously that's a that's that's something that we rarely get to enjoy in TV because that's not really how TV works. But when it is, I mean, J. Michael Straczynski, I think, did it a bit with Babylon 5. But because this is based on pre-existing material, the amount of sort of Easter eggs, can you call it an Easter egg if it's something that hasn't come yet? I don't know. One of those little delightful little foreshadowing moments. There are so many in there and it is so well put together. And also, for those of you not yet converted to The Expanse, what I also like about it is the fact that it does sort of genre metamorphosis all the way through. The way the first season is kind of like space opera with a horror bent and then the second season is kind of like, it's almost like political intrigue and espionage thriller. And then you've got one on a planet which just like pure horror stuff to it it's like it's it has so many different uh sort of forms and iteration like the show shifts and changes there are so many different layers this is so textured and it is a wonderful wonderful show it is vast expansive if you pardon the pun sci-fi in a way that nothing else on television is like this is a show that begins with a simple murder mystery it's not even a murder mystery it begins with a missing person's case it's a detective looking for a missing girl and by the end of season six it is this entire solar system i mean in fact galaxy spanning uh story which is about politics and survival and existence of the human race and beyond and this show is all about colonialism and oppression, and class, and the struggles of underclasses, and historic crimes, and restitutions, and grudges that sort of span generation upon generation upon generation, which comes from people being oppressed by large colonialist forces, and how you break old cycles and kind of forge a new path through consensus. And what I love about this show is it's so unabashedly intellectual while being exciting in the moment as well. Like Helen, Helen O'Hara from the Empire Podcast, she she didn't actually watch all the way through the expanse. She said, oh, I just wasn't moving that quickly. I was like, no, it does. Like a lot happens in this, but it is so baked in character. This is a show 100% not about events, although tons of stuff happens. It is all about these characters, and these characters are incredibly complex. And a really good example of this is Stephen Strait, who plays James Holden. He's the main, essentially, the, if there is a hero, it's him. He is a hero in a really untraditional mold. Like He is not a particularly masculine character. He is not forthright. He is not violent. He's a softly spoken, very thoughtful man who tries to get, he tries to talk people around to his point of view tries to get people onto his side and he is a man who's not afraid to step away from power to do the right thing and it's it's really interesting that isn't this show is sort of built around the leadership of a character who breaks that traditional hero mold but he's a very very sort of non-conformist hero it's a ve- i mean it's none more current actually it's a very sort of modern way to look at masculinity and i think it's incredibly aspirational i think it's brilliant uh, and i love the fact that this show has incredibly complex morality as well like it is a universe where good and evil don't really exist which is our universe let's be honest good and evil are labels that we put on things that we don't like um but what The Expanse is about, what it kind of teaches you is it, it's not about sort of like, there is a good path and someone needs to find this good path. It's about if everyone just makes slightly better choices, if everyone follows their gut, if everyone is empathetic, tries to be understanding and not be a twat to people, then you can make the world, the solar system, the galaxy, the universe a slightly better place. And that is incredibly 
inspirational as well. I think it's it's a fantastic sentiment. I absolutely love it. It is about sort of like gradually changing hearts and minds for the better. Uh, and that the universe doesn't necessarily reward you for doing the right thing. And it doesn't tell you when you've done the right thing. You just do what you think is right and you hope for the best. There is no big payoff where the universe says, well done, you have chosen the correct choice. The, you know, this is the happy ending. It's not like that. It's messy. It's shades of grey. It's like real life. Uh, and that is just one of many reasons why the expanse uh was my favorite tv show on television uh these past few years it's it's magnificent please everyone who doesn't already watch it go and watch it if for no other reason than uh if you do maybe they'll get money to keep doing it uh, and sarah phelps this is for sarah phelps who i know i know old phelpsy uh was considering watching the expanse because she saw all the tweets about the finale yes phelpsy you should 100 percent watch it and then come on here so we can do a spoiler special make it happen wow well was the was the um finale satisfying did you like the way they the finale is great it is satisfying there is a moment in it and i'm going to put it on social media tomorrow but there's a there's a minute where the uh (laughs) the the troops all go down for for a big battle and you see like an aliens-esque screen which shows all their life signs it's got all their names and it's genius because every name on it is like a sci-fi deep cut reference like you got Deckard, you got characters from Aliens, like you got mm. loads of stuff in there. So that's loads of fun. Definitely have a look at that screen if you haven't already seen it. It's uh, it's a giggle. But the final episode is very good. The only problem, if one could say there was a problem, is it's it's a final episode. It does give closure, but there are sort of prologues to each of these episodes of the final season showing what's happening on Laconia which is a planet through the sort of ring space and all of that is setting up events for season seven, which we're not getting. So it's all trialing oh. stuff that's coming up, but we're now to the best of my knowledge, never going to get to see because Amazon essentially have... It's a very expensive show to make, so Amazon have elected not to do anymore. Oh, so I didn't realise... So are you saying... So I didn't realise that they thought they were going to be able to do another season and, that, and well, now no, they can't. Well, no, they didn't. They knew oh, this was the last right, season. They right. made a deliberate choice right. to do this. And I think... So in, that, uh, in which case, shouldn't they have resolved all those plot threads? Well, so so they do. They resolve the main, the main thread. So the main thrust of this season and the last season all of that is tied up and the politics side of it is tied up but there was something else going on which is all the proto-molecule stuff from the earlier seasons which kind of feels like it gets sidelined a little bit towards the end of this show and one of the reasons for that is because it gets resolved in the books at a later point which i haven't got to yet because i'm reading the books now myself um and I think what they they were trying to do with this is so so obviously Amazon picked this up after Sci-Fi cancelled it. It's a very expensive show, and for this final season, Amazon said, "Look, a you can't have a full ten episodes. You've got to have fewer." So they looked at eight, and they also said it has to go out in. 2021 they wanted it to start last year and to do that they couldn't do because of covid had pushed the production back they had to then sort of condense it so we got six episodes and like i say they cover off most of it but there is a lot still to say and ty frank who's uh, one of the authors of the books he was saying that they're thinking it was a pause not an end like they're still hoping they can continue the story in some way shape or form in a visual format so he's not given up on it at all never ending never ending expanse so maybe we will get more expanse and then i'll get the chance to say some more stuff in belter on this podcast who knows Hours. Um, There'll be two hundred hours. Another two hundred hours. Of the expanse. Yeah. That's what I want. That's certainly what Beth wants. Um, but uh, <laughs> I mean, feels like yeah. two hundred hours now. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I did seventeen minutes on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I thought for a minute Beth had genuinely nodded off because there was like <laughs> well, was still... Beth was doing other things. I could yeah. see her looking at the camera. She's I was yeah. deep in thought. I was deep in mourning for yeah. the expanse, and yeah. that we will truly <laughs> never get any mm. new episodes ever again. It I will say I did really enjoy your interviews. There's, there's that 
a video that's gone up of you speaking with two of the cast and that did seem genuinely very <laughs> joyful. I did enjoy that very much. Joyful. I was like, thanks, Sophie. You picked, Sophie picked a, uh, a question that I asked them, which was so rambling and incoherent. Even I didn't understand what I was asking. I was like, cheers, Sophie. That's lovely. <laughs> Sophie, uh, the, so queen of, the queen of socials. Yes, yes that's yes. right. Yes. I think she's deliberately yes. showing what a complete fanboy I was, which I, I mean, guess she did accurately. But um, <laughs> yes, it, it was delightful. I what loved a complete it. And this show are, yeah. is amazing. And for those of you who do not watch The Expanse, what is wrong with you? I'm looking at you, Beth, and you, Boyd. Uh, go back, do what I did, watch all 62 episodes, all 750,000 hours of The Expanse. Uh, there's no better way to spend your time. But enough about that. What have you guys been watching? Yes, enough about that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do want to give a big shout out to the um, pilot followers who told me that I had to instantly go away and watch the third episode of Boba Fett this week because I finally got my rancor after all I'd wanted was a rancor for Christmas. It came true. Not only did we get a rancor, we got Danny Trejo hand delivering a rancor. A depressed rancor. A depressed rancor <laughs> that is now going to be, uh, I can only see in Boba's noble steed, uh, in the show. I mean, this show has just gone bananas, hasn't it? It's gone completely bananas to take something like a rancor that had, what, five minutes screen time in the entire franchise. And I, I I love it. I do love it. But at the same time, the fact that it's now got its own like storyline is just wild to me. So that was very funny. I also love the Yellow Jackets crossover. We got Sophie Thatcher coming in. Yes, um, we did. Episode, mm. Which is very exciting. She got to do some cool stuff. Um, so those were probably the only highlights from that episode. Could I say honest. that I very much enjoyed on the Empire WhatsApp group, Alex Godfrey, who said when that episode aired, I don't know about you lot, but when I heard they were making a Boba Fett show, I thought, yes, finally, we might actually get the chance to see him in his pants, which is <laughs> what happens in this week's show <laughs> inexplicably. But, yeah. you know, sure. It still doesn't seem to have found its feet, really, that series. But no, no not at all. Off. That no. was a... It was a really losing fun its match, feet. That. Yes, <laughs> yeah. losing its feet, and they've they've managed to do the unthinkable, which is make Matt Berry quite boring in this. <laughs> yeah. See, I quite liked yeah. him in this one. There's a bit where he peers around the Rancor's ass, and yes. I was like, "That's funny." <laughs> That's quite funny. But to have Matt Berry at your disposal and not allow him to be even a modicum of what Matt Berry is capable of with his voice mm. alone, yeah. feels like a bit of a crime. So that was it. Obviously, Yellow Jackets just keeps getting better and better with every episode. Like, it really I might James, I will just say that it's amazing and leave it at that because we've spoken <laughs> about it quite a lot. Um, what else have I been watching? I'm doing a big Atlanta rewatch at the moment ahead of March, which is when it's coming out. And that's just such a, I just forgot what a good looking show that is. Central cast aside, who are obviously very dashing and handsome, such a good looking show. Like, it's incredible what they were, and, and that was what four years ago five years ago that they were they were doing stuff that now feels incredibly normal and very much the part of the fabric of mods and teddy but they really were pushing the boundaries with that show it's been so nice to go back and watch that um yeah i think that's been it for me this this week yeah bigger than a rewatch have you had time to watch euphoria have you watched any euphoria yet? <gasps> oh my goodness of course yeah no right. i've watched oh, the good. first episode i've uh, got a few yes. more coming in yeah what did you think? Wild. Wild, isn't it? Fucking Absolutely crazy. Absolutely fucking wild. Um, very much 
like, okay, we've got the money, we've got the backing, because it did really, really well as well, didn't it? It broke loads of records in terms of um, viewership, something like nine times what the finale got. But it does go, even for that show, it goes pretty, pretty insane. There's some stuff with... There's some stuff with Sydney Sweeney that happens in the first episode. I'm not too sure about. She's kind of used as a bit of a. Yeah. I don't think she's put to her best use in this episode, and and some of it feels a little bit gratuitous to me. But I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch it all. Um, mm. I am worried that I think it is going to be super violent. Because how many have you watched now? I've watched four now. I've watched four. Four. Of, of, yeah, and it is. I mean, I'm fasc- I'm fascinated to know what you think as you, as you, as it goes along because Rebecca Nicholson in the Guardian wrote. Did you see her review? She was really disappointed and yet. kind of she she gave it two stars and was basically saying she thought it was really ha- had gone too far with the sex and violence and nudity, particularly I think the nudity. Um, the nudity felt unnecessary it's interesting, to me isn't this it? time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, obviously. The cast, like Zendaya is 25, you know, for example. Um, and, and, you know, they're all, you know, in their 20s. They're not, you know, they're playing 17-year-olds. So it's on. it feels, it, I think, it, you know, it feels creepy. I mentioned, I think, last week, it's got that kid's vibe to it of, mm. you know, slightly leery um, look at teenage sex lives. But, of course, they are all played by people, adult young people are in the, at least in their, you know, in their 20s. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, there's no great moral quandary in terms of the making of it, I don't think. but. I don't know. Even me, and I can watch anything. I feel it. It's really, it's really kind of going out there almost deliberately. And I think if you've seen his um, Sam Levinson's film, you know that film with Zendaya and 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 what's it called? That film, Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. Like I think like his tendency to be self-indulgent and to and to kind of think about himself as the writer director of this stuff and you know that i i don't know I, I can't get that out of my mind as i'm watching it as well so i feel like like i don't believe a word of it of, of euphoria i it's for me it's like as much of a fantasy about yeah. teenage life as you know the expanse is a fantasy <laughs> science fiction about what might happen in the future of the of the of the universe Do you know what i mean so it's yeah. it's, it's that kind of unreal to me but it's, but I still find it fascinating, and I still it's incredibly exciting to watch. It's thrilling, and, yeah. and technic his direction, and you know, as I said, I described that first episode as like every Scorsese film you ever you kind of mixed it with a bit of Quentin Tarantino <laughs> for good measure, yeah. and it carries on at that at that at that register. It does not. It's operatic and over the top, demented often. Um, and I say, but I don't believe a word of it, but it's almost like I don't care that I don't believe it because because it's so entertaining. And yet the graphic nature of it, is, so I, I'm confused. It's, it's giving me lots of, <laughs> I've got lots of feelings about it and I yeah. don't quite know where I stand yet. I've having watched four episodes, you know, like the third episode has this whole thing with Nate's dad and his sexuality. And it's like, it's fascinating, but I'm not mm. sure if it's saying anything new or radical. Anyway, I'm, I'll stop waffling on about it now. But it's, it's no, fascinating. I get what you mean. This one, it already feels incredibly unhinged. Yeah, and unhinged is the word. Yeah, whereas the first season did make some pretty, from what I've I've been told, some quite accurate depictions of drug abuse and kind of the impact that it has on young people and how it's used recreationally whereas this seems far more concerned with style and the shock factor and I do wonder this with Sam Levinson I I wondered it with 
I wanted it with the specials as well. He did those two kind of standalone specials, one with Jules and one with Rue. And with that, you do have to wonder, is this the right person to be telling these stories? He does have a really strong collaboration with Zendaya. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I feel bad for her, especially with Malcolm and Marie, because she put her own money into that film and did a lot to make sure she backs it. And the same with Euphoria. She's very, very present in yeah. the creative process, but yeah. she tends to get overlooked, I guess, because she's a a young black woman in, in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, you do have to wonder, is, is this the right person to be directing young people in this mm. way? Um, should they and be Hunter, bringing in? Yeah, and Hunter Shafu does play, um, who plays Jules. Oh, she, I know that she got involved in the creation of, of that, of the special that he did focused on <laughs> yeah, her. So absolutely. He does, I think he would say, you know, I don't know, he would say that he he involves all of the, all, you know, the cast in the decisions and nothing. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure that's, and I'm sure it's all, I, you know, I, I agree with that, but I, I, I think it's more that I, I, like you, I can't put it out of my mind that he is there writing, directing this stuff about, yeah. particularly about the young women, and yeah. But it's still, I mean, it is astonishing stuff, though. I mean, it's just you know, on a, on a, it's, it, it well, keeps I mean, you we're, thrilled. We're talking about Atlanta. It's this incredibly stylish, beautifully made show. Like the the craftsmanship of the show is astonishing. Yeah, yeah, like astonishing what they do with tracking shots, what they do with you know, in the first season, there's a there's a camera that sort of moves through a mirror and and all this incredible stuff they're able to pull out. It's just some of the themes to me are just their voices, the the voices of Zendaya of Hunter Schaefer aren't don't feel as loud in this episode, and I'd like to hear them baked into it a little bit more. Yeah. You watching any yeah. Euphoria, James? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Much you like in. you with The Expanse, yeah. I wasn't listening to anything uh, you just said. Yeah. I was just, th- I was just thinking about The Expanse. Just yeah. happily just like, in my head. Yeah, this glazed like, yeah, smile distant, on his face yeah. there. He was yeah. just off talking about I think it to his it. mates. That's what was happening. I do have a question for you both, and it is, did either of you persist with Dexter and thus watch the finale? No. No, and no, I feel bad. but I think we're in the minority, aren't we? Because it got you some are. like wild numbers. Isn't it the most successful thing Showtime have ever put out? Which is <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's done incredibly and do you know what it's kind of deserved it's really good and I think without giving away direct spoilers for those who have not seen it I think it gives us the ending to Dexter that we always should have had in the show that we were never given when we were cheated with that dreadful final season that ended with that awful final episode and I think this one actually is really thoughtful it really stayed with me this final episode like when it finished it's like it haunted me a little bit for mm-hmm. the rest of the day I couldn't stop thinking about that final episode like it worked really well I loved it um, so so yeah, if, if you watched Dexter and you thought, you know what, I don't need more of that shit, you do actually need more of that shit. It's worth mm. it. Dexter New Blood's really, really good, uh, which bears this out. But that actually that actually leads into something else I wanted to ask you guys about a little bit. So, you know, Dexter obviously thinks he's hugely popular. So Yellowstone. Yellowstone <laughs> is something that we have been called out on a lot as a show that we just don't watch. But it seems like that this is a critical thing generally. So there was a piece, Liam Richardson on Twitter pointed me to this uh, this article on The Guardian. They were talking about Yellowstone is the incredibly successful show that's putting in kind of like numbers like up there with Game of Thrones, Walking Dead when they're in their heyday that critics just ignore. Uh, and I found it really, where they talk about like critics go nuts for succession, which almost no one watches. And although you wouldn't think that listening yeah. to the media, because everyone talks about it, very few people watch succession relatively. Tons more people watch Yellowstone and no one talks about it. And it, this article was just talking about how Yellowstone is essentially like red state succession. Like it's Ooh. like succession for conservatives because it's about cowboys and traditional values and lifestyles ending and, you know, modern society taking away what has been their heritage for a long period of time. 
So it seems to ring a, a certain number of Republican bells, if you will. Um, <laughs> but apparently, like people love it. They do love it. You know, Sheridan's fantastic. Like wrote Sicario, one of my all-time favorite films. So you'd think I would like it more, and yet I don't. Did you see that? Um, it was on Twitter. Someone alluded to the story of him getting of Taylor Sheridan um, taking this taking the. Um, taking Yellowstone to all the different networks and all the different streaming services, etc., and them all turning him down, and then having to go to wherever it ended up. What's the, the American, um, the Paramount Channel, I think it is, or whatever? Um, yeah, and they were going to send a jet for him to to come and see them for a meeting, um, and he was like, "I'm not going to come. I'm not going to get your jet, your private jet, to go to this meeting unless you agree in advance to not interfere in any way or give me any notes about this show and let me <laughs> make it exactly how I want to make it." And this guy was tweeted this as if it was like, "And what a guy, what a dude!" And everyone else was like, "Yeah, what an old white guy, yeah, you can get away with <laughs> when you're creating a TV show," and it totally backfired. But so even the story of its creation is that no one really wanted it. Well, you know, none of those like I think I think where it's ended up, where it, it trans, where it is airs, if you like. I mean, in this country, for example, I think if it had been on Sky Atlantic, you know, like Succession, yeah, it would get more all the ones you mentioned, or even I don't know, you know, even or Channel Four or all the all the other or, or, or Netflix, you know, even obviously it would have been a much bigger deal. We, it's because it's because it's ended up on a you know on quite obscure channels um that i think immediately you think oh that doesn't feel like a major thing that i need to worry about mm. it does make a difference and i think that's a large part well, of it in the u.s 11 million people watch the finale of season four of yellowstone right. that is a right. lot mm. and I, I it kind of baffles me it really does because like again and we've said taylor sheridan has kind of a storied history in terms of screenwriting he's written some really great films but you know, I watched an episode of this, and to me, this was brothers and sisters with cowboy hats. Like, I did not find it particularly <laughs> engaging. 1883, weirdly, which is the prequel series for this, that appeals to me. So when that comes to the UK, which, boy, do we know? Do we know when 1883 is coming to the UK? I don't, but I'm assuming it's part of the um, the streaming services that will be on. You know, you'll be able to get yeah, on perhaps, Paramount yeah. Plus, etc. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we get that, like that, I quite want to see because it's all cowboy. I think that I could get more into. Like, I did, I just I couldn't. I couldn't get excited by Yellowstone. I just couldn't do it. But it's interesting about you look at the demographics of the viewers in the US, that it is very much the kind of more sort of rural red state type areas that really like it. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it, it is interesting to me. I love the idea of it as like conservative uh, succession that that's because I mean, it deals with a lot of the same themes, doesn't it? It's him, his kids, yeah. the, you know, it, it, it's the same amount of kids. I think he has. And, you know, it's similar. It's all about succession and legacy and, and, and taking over their dad's yeah. Business. I don't think it's really I don't think it's conservative, you know, in, in its in its outlook and its politics, by the way. I think I think it's in you know, its themes, I think, more than anything okay, else. It's yeah, thematically right. and the Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think it's pushing a right wing agenda. That's not what I'm saying no, it's doing. No. I just think thematically it is very much in keeping with those sort of heartland American values voters, you know, red state feelings. I think I think it just it has that vibe to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you know rather I, I than think it I, being, you know, propaganda? I, from what I really liked, what I saw of it, and and um, and it, literally the only thing stopping me from carrying on watching it is is that you know it didn't feel like it was on a, which is my own prejudice on a major channel. But I will. It's good. It's on. Um, <laughs> it's on Peacock, isn't it? So I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to try and watch it. I'm have to carve out because I Once think I've really seen like the Expanse. It. Obviously, yes. No, this, I this think I might be next watch one. this before <laughs> the Expanse. I think this is more me possibly than the Expanse because I do th think Taylor Sheridan is really talented, despite him being he a bit is, of a yeah. bell end when it came to creating the show. <laughs> and I love Kevin Costner films, and 
yeah so you know I, I i i'm sure i will really like it yeah i've got one more thing that i should mention in my what we've been watching now which is the bay which i um cranked up um the previews of from itv that, that are available then i and i think it was so compelling and I, I think this happened with last time with series two that i had to carry on watching it and i saw it's all available on um itv hub so i kind of binge watch i haven't finished it yet but i will definitely finish it but the way the bay has dealt with the fact that it's got a new lead lead detective played by marsha thomason who's brilliant the way they um kind of show culturally interesting cultural insights so it's like a muslim family at the center of this storyline this year this time and just the kind of different types of police person some are you know some are a bit prejudiced some are a bit competence others are less competent it really i think you know it's really um it re- i think it's a really impressive show it's a really smartly written really well acted show so yeah i'm just really really digging digging i never say digging the bay you're digging the bay the new series of the bay <laughs> yes see when i hear the bay to me it sounds like that sounds like a reality show do you know what i mean that's like a one step <laughs> move from love island i just imagine the bay they go to this bay resort and they pair out these unspeakably hot people Forget and it's will they or won't they and it's like that it's just that's brilliant. what it feels like yeah. so so this is all of our pathetic prejudices are coming out. I, you know, I'm, I'm admitting that if if Yellowstone was on another channel, I'd have watched it by now. You won't even watch the Bay because of the way it's titled, and you think it's you think it's a reality yeah. show. It has a whiff that, of reality to it. Oh my god, that is lame. That is genuinely lame. That's terrible. Okay, well I guess that's what we've been watching. So I think it's time for the first of this week's many guests. You will know one of these people as the creator of The Office and Extras, and of course Afterlife, the black comedy that he. He writes, produces, stars in, and directs. Ricky Gervais and co-star Tony Way, Sedontos from Game of Thrones, uh, stopped by the podcast this week to talk all about the show in great big spoiler detail with Boyd. So, and I cannot emphasize this enough. If you have yet to watch the third and final season of Afterlife, please do watch it before you listen to this interview because Boyd goes deep, deep into the plot stuff. They talk about the ending. They talk about everything. Um, so you have been warned. I will put the time signatures for this in the introduction if you do need to skip it. But spoilers lie ahead. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Little boy, the Hilton and Tony Way, both in different places, both with funny faces. Little boy, the Hilton and Tony Way. Um, welcome, Tony and Ricky, Hello. to the Pilot TV podcast. You're in the middle of a grueling few days of publicity. How are you dealing with it, Tony? How are you coping? I mean, it's not coal mining, but I have answered. <laughs> I have answered. How how do you feel about? Afterlife ending quite a few times. Yeah, I, I've changed my answer every time. Which oh, is, good. You can give me a different answer that. as well. You yeah, I will. I will. Well. <laughs> um, Ricky, I'm going to get straight into it. Straight into the scene. I mean, possibly the scene of the series, which is where you end up in a cafe with a hipster cunt wearing an orange beanie, <laughs> and you start blowing on <laughs> Lenny slash Tony's belly and calling right. him a cunt. Right. That cat, I'd, I'd written that scene and that was an afterthought. And I even thought that might not work. That might be too mad for this. That might be too out there. Um, but I thought, well, we'd do it anyway. We'd do one with, one without. And um, uh, I, I, what you've got to remember is, is when I do that, that's not one take. I've then got to do it at every angle 15 different times. I mean, it wasn't great for him. No. Also <laughs> during COVID. So I'm thinking... Can you catch belly COVID off this, right? And then the first time I went, oh, you've got aftershave on. So I was actually blowing raspberries on his his naked belly. I I believe it was sure deodorant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, Yeah. it was. 
I mean, it did make me laugh. And I thought, I thought why, why I went with it, even though it's, it seemed sort of a bit mad, was that this obviously made Tony so angry. And when people are angry, they sometimes do funny things because they're mm. not in control. And he's trying to, he's trying to hurt this guy's feelings. He's frustrated and he uses, he uses Tony as a prop <laughs> to get back at this guy. And there's a lovely little bit where, uh, when I say Tony, I mean uh, Tony Way, right, yeah. Lenny. Yeah. Um, there's a lovely little bit where uh, he says, just go on, just talk to your friend. I go, yeah, all right, fine. And he thinks he's got away with it. He's sort of like, no, yes. like, okay. Yes. Kind of, he thinks that. And then <laughs> Relief. And I start going, who's a big fat gun? Who's a... Yeah. He, he goes, oh, oh, I haven't yeah. got away with it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and then that, that obviously spins a story about the word, about the C word, where uh, Kath does the classic, oh, if, if a bloke said that, I'd go right off him. It shows lack of vocabulary. And it suddenly gives me a challenge that I've got to, I've got to get her using this, this word. So, it, you know, it, it mm. wasn't just a ridiculous, you know, it did have some sort of payback. I think it's... Oh, it is an observation. It is an observation that I wanted to get off my back and this hipster oh, yeah, really loud in a cafe about his two-year-old liking quinoa and I've been there. Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not for anyone's oh. benefit except everyone listening. It's not for that kid's benefit. No, yeah. no, we've all been there. And can I just say, before I ask Tony about his, his version of those events, um, the, the hipster, the, he's wearing an orange beanie, which is, I see so many of them wearing orange beanies. That's such a great observation. Was that you? Was that the costume people? Right. I, I auditioned him yeah. on Zoom and I said, and it probably sounded like an insult, but I think he did it for the audition. So it's not much of an insult. I said, come as you are, come dressed like that. And I told costume, I said, he's got his own things. <laughs> and he came there. But I think, I don't think he is that guy. I think he said, you right. know, he thought, I'll come camera ready. And, yeah. you know, and he was just perfect. And his attitude was perfect. And his, his passive aggression was yeah. perfect. It, I, it was, it was, sometimes you get those things. Like you do, you go, that's the guy is my mind. He's in my mind. That's exactly the character. And, um, and he, he absolutely nailed it. And the only thing we were worried about was that oh, we had to do it without the, the kid there because I'm right. shouting the F word and C word. And, and the first time I think I forgot, didn't I, that the parents were there and they went, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only scene I think you've said out loud to everyone in the room halfway through blowing a raspberry in my belly. You suddenly stopped and looked up and went, have I gone too far? <laughs> he said... Your actual words were, have I got to is this too mental? And everyone <laughs> went, it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> we think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I do remember that. I do remember thinking, is this, because I didn't want it to look like it wasn't part of the show. I didn't want it to look like it was suddenly slapstick. But I, 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 I hopefully that is in character for Tony, because Tony is a, my character, Tony, I mean now, mm. he, is, he is a funny bloke. He is an acerbic bloke. And, he, and he, you know, he used to be fun and muck around. So he, he always had that in him. And, um, and now he uses it as a weapon. So I think, I think it's totally justified that he went, he went crazy and, and lost his temper in a funny way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think people have got to realise that behind the scenes, 
I am really blowing a raspberry on a big man's belly. <laughs> That's what you've got to remember. Yeah, there's no faking that. That no, just no. had to happen. No, no. <laughs> how, did it, how was it for you, Tony? How did it feel to have Ricky Gervais, international comedian, writer, director, producer, star, one of the most famous comedy people in the world and blowing let's let's not forget handsome handsome handsome, blowing raspberries on your on your belly i think i got the better end of the deal i i i wouldn't have wanted to have to do that end of it yeah exactly mouth to belly mouth Mm. mouth is worse than belly isn't it Mm. yeah i'm quite passive in that situation i'm receiving Uh, yeah raspberry (laughs) yeah in in prison that (laughs) is definitely the, the better yeah. end of the bargain. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're the taker. Yeah. 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 The taker of the Gervais tongue. It's just a belly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you prepare? Did you worry about, you know, your. Did, so you, did you put the deodorant on, did you? Did you? I mean, the, I do most days put deodorant right, on. So I right. didn't I didn't particularly put more on that day. I think I probably spent an extra minute washing my belly that morning. Mm, but right. other than that, I think I was given a clean, a wipe. Okay. But I can't remember. I now can't remember if it was before or after you did it. So it Do may have been after. Do people usually tune into this podcast with the hope they might you might get an in depth interview with um, uh, Coppola or yeah. Scorsese? Yeah, yeah. So, right, but no, it's, it's totally well, I don't think. Belly. I don't think. I, I mean, my belly respect, hygiene. Yeah, I don't think Coppola or Scorsese have ever done an equivalent. Um, no, act. no. I suppose that comes of you being the, the director star. You know, you have to... You, yeah. Well, also, um, uh, Tony is... Tony Way. Lenny is my stress ball. He right. accepts it. He accepts it in series one. He says, why do you let him talk to that? Oh, he's lost his wife. And, you know, he, you know, he, uh, yeah. he gets, you know, he's a mate. So, and I thank him at the end of... You know, he is, he is my human stress ball. He makes me feel good. And, and, and it's clear that... I, I love him. I love him as a mate. You know, I I grab the back of his neck, you know, like a pug. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when you went on a diet and I was I was panicked. You were. You're worried. I've managed to uh, get back to fighting weight <laughs> over the three series. Well, so if you thought so, Ricky, if you thought if you thought Tony was going to get too slim, it would ruin yeah. The, the, the. Yeah, but effect. I can't go. I can't go. Oh no! No, don't try and be healthy to save your life. We've got another series to go, so I've just got. A, but he put. I, I phoned him up once and I said, uh, "You know, I haven't lost too much weight, have you?" And he went to put your mind at rest. As you're calling, I'm pulling out of the fridge a huge plate of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so I, went, yeah. I went, "Good boy, good boy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony, you have been directed by David Fincher. Yes. Doug Lyman. Ben Whitley. Yes. Yes. How is Ricky in, in comparison as a director? Um, he, <laughs> he laughs a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at that question. Yeah. And if this one is, of the, the main difference is, and we, we won't just talk about raspberries on the belly, but normally <laughs> the, pers- the, the person directing that isn't doing it and hasn't written it as well. That's the <laughs> other. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, it does seem odd now, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Fisher's yeah. not doing that. No, yeah. I think the, it, they're all comparable, though. They've all got a similar thing. Ricky, all the way through, it's that good directors have got a good eye and and they want things, they basically want it to be great. They want it to look good. They've got an eye for detail. And I think that's something all of those directors share. But it's all not, of them not the worst different. thing. It's not the worst thing. Ethan had to be in the bath. Mm. Joe had to have a bath. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not good. Mm. I had to yeah. go in the sea. 
Uh, I had to play tennis, squash, and table tennis in one day. I couldn't walk the next day. We all we have to suffer for our art. Yeah. Never mind he, that. He, Ethan had to be in the bath while David Earl's on the toilet as well. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking about knocking one out, as it is. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I could have knocked one out and you right in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so, that, uh, scene, yeah. that scene felt struck me as being like your version of like a British horror. It was so... yeah grimy and yeah ugh. i mean yeah. think of that you move in with someone because you think your situation i love that though out of the frying pan in, into the fire i love that that he he wants to get away from his mother and then he goes this is even worse and david goes what he goes what you fucking on the toilet doing a quiz word um uh, i love the anger that ethan has like in the bath when he goes i'm in the fucking bath uh, you know, to 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 be naked with all the crew around you and shouting, and then uh, <laughs> and have everyone. That's a tiny bathroom as well. That's for real. That wasn't a set. That was a a real bathroom where we all had to cram in. I wanted to be a bit like Lauren and Hardy. You know, when it gets out of hand. Yeah. When everyone's suddenly there, and even Lenny sort of looks round and. Uh, um, so uh, yeah, I, I do I do like those silly moments, those slapstick moments that that um that uh, are real life as well, though. You know, everyone everyone does all these things. They all have baths and go to the toilet. It's just, it, it, you just put it, it, you know, like the context is a little bit awkward or, uh, um, but um, that's the other thing we, we, I, did we, I don't know if we talked about this, that uh, people often say to me, particularly like American journalists, oh, it's like a, you know, crazy, a bunch of crazy characters and they're all so weird looking. I think, no, no, that's England. That's how most people look. Most <laughs> people look like us. Yeah. It's Brad Pitt. And yeah. Johnny Depp, and they're the weird ones. Weird, this is like this is what England's like. We look like Brian Gittins and Joe and me. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no slick, beautiful people in 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 in. No, in and also no. Th those people aren't funny, are they? I don't mean mm. those actors. I mean, yeah, if it was a, a town full of infeasibly wonderful, successful people. What's funny about that? You you want a bunch of losers that fall over for our pleasure, but they get back up again. That's mm. the thing about it. Mm. They get back up again. They're not really that hurt, you know? And one of my favorite scenes is um, when uh, uh, Brian is is talking to James about the porno he once made. Oh, that is incredible, yeah. And it yeah. started, like, it was meant to be like really dour and really depressing and like he was, you know, uh, and then we did it that he was smug about it. Yeah. And it was so much funnier. Yeah. Like he was bragging yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it and then when they end up watching it together. And then they're watching it. And James's face just, why are you making yeah. me? I was worried about that. That nearly didn't make it in. But the, the editor showed me it. And everyone's going, you've got to leave it in. You've got to leave it in. Uh, um, that just nothing happened. But it's just one minute of them watching this. <laughs> it is incredible. It really it, it is one of them that kind of quite bleak and grimy and yeah yes and yet, it is very it good. is yeah. it's like one of those like the, the 60s photographers of um of britain yeah. yeah exactly the two of you together um over the three series you have my uh, uh, among many of my favorite scenes because i love those scenes where the two of you as the newspaper writer and photographer are visiting these freaky people mm. whether it be the you know the the um the swingers the one guy just like a baby all of those those, those Incidents are, are always the funniest scenes for me in, in each episode. What, Tony? What's your? Do you have a favourite of those? That, um... yeah, I think the the swingers one 
Yeah. This for this series, I think the yeah. stringers one got it for me. I think last series it's somewhere between um probably it's probably uh Spears being the dog. Oh, that was tough. The, wasn't it? Thinking the, the dog poo bins I mean it was that was tough. It, also it's hard. There's there's two favorite things. There's favorite filming experience of a scene and there's favorite watching back. But that one for me both. Like the, the experience of filming opposite a really when yeah. he when he was arrogant, when he says, Okay, what's it gonna be, boy? What's your angle yeah. on this? This is and like, that yes. really I couldn't get I couldn't get past that. He's got front page man, news here. Yeah, this man <laughs> who stank was suddenly a little bit arrogant and worldly wise. What's your angle gonna be on this, boys? Um, that really got me. Also, Tony likes those scenes because usually his line is smile. Take a picture. You say yeah. take a picture, I say smile. That's yeah. it. And so he's he's there to be he's there to be very reactive, like I'm I'm trying to do the thing. Uh but it wouldn't work without him. It you know, yeah. and you do have you do have quite a lot of lines actually, but um uh what I liked about that was that 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 one line that he usually says comes back at the end and is is really poignant mm. and you don't see it coming because it's all about their friendship. It's all about them just being friends, that they're just together. They don't have to be being nice to each other or having experience. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're already friends. They're mates. And, um, and, uh, and I put that bit in about um, uh, nothing will ever be normal again. Normal used to be us getting drunk and you sleeping on the couch. And, uh, and I just wanted uh, uh, people to remember that there's a history. Mm. This is not just a work mate. This is my best mate who's been yeah. through everything with me and lets me get away with murder. Yeah. Oh, that's a um, really moving moment. Uh, I thought that when when with the, the couch that just that, that one line fills in the history, doesn't it? Oh, of, good. Of the, oh, yeah. glad, oh, oh, good. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, I spent much of those episodes crying, you know, welling up or and or crying, but that got me a lot because because a part of what the whole shoot is about friendship, isn't it? I think it's, it's about talking. friendship and and the world changing and moving on, and it's about. You know, even the the strap line on the on the you know the billboard this time is uh, every end is a new beginning, and and the ending itself is about that that it, that life goes on, and uh, and nothing lasts forever, um, and uh, but you've got you've got to appreciate it while it's there, mm-hmm. and I think we don't we do we do take friends for granted. We don't keep calling up our friends and going thanks for being a mate. We don't do it, but it, it it's it's there. It. You know what I mean? It's there. Yeah, especially British friends. I think especially oh. British men. Like yeah. British men ever saying anything. So which felt like that one line felt like a kind of way of those guys acknowledging their friendship and love without without but, betraying their very British male friendship. That's exactly right. Yeah. Danny and Tony's relationship is every other friendship, male friendship I've got, is yeah. that they don't talk about anything like that. Yeah. Which is sort of probably good for Tony that they don't talk about it all the time. But it's really even better for him when they do it's, now and again it, check in with each other. Yeah. But it's it's we're an awkward bunch, British. Well men. also we're <laughs> honest as well. If a mate goes, Oh, do you want to go out tonight? I'll go, no, no, I can't be bothered. They go, all right, cheers. No one takes it personally. Yeah. No yeah. one goes, yeah. Oh, it's, it's go, all right. I'll, I'll yeah. find yeah. another mate. You know? <laughs> yeah, I want to stay in and watch TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. See you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, the ending, Tony, I'm gonna to ask you. I mean First of all, you, Lenny plays a key role, doesn't he? Because he takes that photo, mm. um, which I feel like has a significant moment, and he has to think. And he, there's a there's a shot of you just kind of having a think when you see, yeah, when you see um, Ricky that, walking off. Yeah, I think I'm being the viewer there because they the, the ambiguity of the end. It's 
it's left open. It's left like it should be, which is, you know, not, not everything's resolved. Loads of, it, all of the, because res- loads of stories are resolved at the end of this series, but they're all beginnings. They're all people, someone gets a puppy, someone's in a new relationship. So none of it's ended. It's just a part of their life is ending and it's moving on. And yeah, it's, I think that's, I think um, Ricky would be able to answer definitely, but that. Well, no, look, that, that's right. And I'll just add one thing that, um, the, the the smile is a lovely quote. You know, he's never taken a picture of me before. Why would he? You know, it's usually someone else. So that's nice that I'm I'm now I'm now um uh, you know at the Tamby Fair along with anyone else. So I'm going to be part of that record. You know, um, but me saluting him is what worries him because mm. he thinks he's never done that before. That mm. was a lovely, sincere thing to do. He doesn't usually do that. He usually grabs the back of my neck or calls me fatty or you know um, yeah. So what, what's that? Why has he done that? What, what's that? And so you are meant to worry, is that a goodbye? Um, but it's not. It, I will say now, the ending is not, you know, that. It's, it's um, as I said before, the ending is everyone dies, but not today. Mm-hmm. Also, that's the, the only time I think I've ever, ever actually said this uh, to Ricky on a, on a job was like, I literally said, Where, what's happened to, what happens to Lenny in this scene? Because you, you were slowly all of the people's finale, their final scenes, you were writing quite late on, or I remember, if I remember rightly. And I remember like a week before the end saying to you, "What? where's Lenny? What's he doing? And you sort of said, don't worry, don't worry. And then I think it was the week before I got an email from you with that scene. And I, 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 I don't... I, don't I know, I remember I was so quickly. excited. I was so Genuinely, excited. Genuinely, was like, this is amazing. People are going to have a breakdowns. I, said, I just sent you that last scene, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that one page. And I thought, well, this is bro- I think I've got the best ending. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, it's great. very, very sweet. It's very, very sweet how important that relationship was. Very important, yeah. So in, in the, st- what, without saying exactly, what what kind of stage directions did you have for that scene then, that final scene that, that when you, when it, you... It's literally, it's literally as it, as it's filmed. It's, it? it's exactly that. It's the reason Lenny's not really well, I won't go into too much boring technical detail, but I roam quite a lot in that, mm. in in the fair. But it's it even says that that I just sort of want. It's exactly as you see it. The, the, exa- the, the little exactly salute. What, yeah, yeah. Um. It cuts back to me smiling. Cuts to you saluting. Cuts back to me. You know. It's exactly that. Right. Um. Yeah. So it was. You, yeah. You clearly had an idea, sort of a picture in your mind of that, Ricky. That it was exactly the mood. Was the look. It was just the mood. It was just the mood and the. Uh, the tricky bit was whether I did that bit in slow motion or not, because I'd started the slow-mo on the fair and I didn't know whether to go back to natural things for that or keep it going. And so I think I did a bit of a hybrid that you don't see the join. Um, uh, Cause I did want it to be a bit dreamy as well, that I, you know, not to the point where people wondered if, you know, um, it, it was happening or not. Uh, but I did want it to be a little bit dreamy Um you know, particularly because I knew what music I was using. Hmm. Uh, and so I knew the pace of the music as well. So that dictated the pace of the dolly in, you know, we filmed it at, you know, 50 frames to slow it down. So it dictated uh, how fast these things are probably boring to most people, but <laughs> no, no. It, it matters. It yeah, matters. Yeah, the yeah. fact that you know the song that you're filming for, that right. is a big bonus because, uh, you know, as I said before, usually in TV, the music budget is what's left over. Um, but I, I could, I got these things cleared before we filmed. 
and that's rare as well because I knew I, you know, I could afford them and get them. So I was, I was shooting to the music. I, you know, the crew knew what the tune was, you know. Mm-hmm. So that really made a difference in those little, those tiny little moments. I think it makes that whole yeah, end scene the way you shot it and with the music it makes it feel oddly timeless as well it doesn't feel like it's necessarily happening then it could be it could be looking it's got an almost reminiscence about it as well, well it, uh, yeah exactly sort of quality but particularly the ending where um uh, if people notice they notice i think they might that the walk away um the, the leaves change color and fall mm. from the trees with cgi so that's meant to say you don't know how long this how long this walk away is. Mm. Mm. Did you know, Tony, that the, the song that both sides now, the Joni Mitchell song and, and the- I did, I didn't know it. I, I, but it, cause Ricky puts them in the script. That's how early they're chosen. So I, I often look them up if I don't know them. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great song. I really like it. It's, that- it's, it's the, it's what's lovely about that is obviously it's a, it's a, a re recording, uh, a verse, a sixties classic, but she's obviously much older now and the her voice is a is an octave lower and uh it's just i, I think it's the it's heartbreaking that version mm. uh, i think it's amazing it is, mm. yeah. uh one other bit of the final episode i wanted to mention was the the ratty and the nonce are like they are feel are like terrorists at this point aren't they yeah i think they're like yeah so that's exactly right they're they're, they're a cross between you know shakespearean fools who come in and uh, disrupt things and then leave with no real knock-on effect. Um, but they're, they're, they are there for a reason. They're, they're there to make, you know, the rest of us look a bit more normal. And, um, the, uh, you know, it, it's sort of clear that everything they say and do is wrong. <laughs> so there's no ambiguity. So they're, they're very clear why they're there. You know, that, yeah. this is how not to behave. This is how yeah. not to behave in polite society. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, I did again. Uh, I don't know, a spoiler, but you know, the, the, those sort of people do have to get a little bit of comeuppance. Mm. Otherwise, people go, "What?" You know, you don't want people to go. Does he think this is good? This is good. <laughs> you know, they are. You know, you have to. You know, some villains have to get a little bit of uh, mm. payback. The way they kind of raid the scenes as well. They raid the show. Yes. They sort of attack like a sort of squad right yeah and it's it's telling that they're on twitter and podcasting because it reminds me of a troll on twitter they sort of rage you for a day yeah you you never think about them again they're gone no that's right it's like vikings yeah Yeah. it's like interference suddenly appears yeah Uh, bill burr's got this great bit he talked about on his uh podcast about um i think when his when his uh his kid was like, you know, four or five. He's a little girl. He said, little girls are different. They'll be having a party. And then he said, then the, the boys arrived. And he said, it's like a horde of Vikings coming over the hill to just smash stuff up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting because when you deployed them in like series two, they're really funny. You know, in the pub, the famous pub scene with the, with yeah. the, 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 um, yeah the cut scenes and all of that they're hilarious and funny you don't re- and you kind of like i mean i thought they were fun and like it but you totally turn them on the head and by the time they're in series three they're just horrible i think that's really interesting because i think a lot of people mistakenly think that you have a bit of a laddish following you know and all of that yeah. i think you completely well, that's that was the obviously the description they were lads they were the, they were those those guys that wear um you know thousand pound suits and work in the city but throw darts at the match they're that they're that 
you know, they're above the law. They do what they want. It's, it, you know, everything there was about, you know, it, they are, they are toxic masculinity yeah. in a suit. That's yeah. what they're there for. Right. And of course those sort of people can be funny, but not when they turn on you and not when they go too far. And do you think, Oh God. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I do like pulling the rug from under people that you, you know, and some of the things they say after, I, I still think that, um, Ratty delivers one of the funniest lines of the series when he finds James dressed as a little jester and he says, what you come as Santa's little cunt. I think that is one of the funny, but it's funny because it's witless. Yeah. I'm laughing at I'm built into that is the irony of how witless and angry it is. It's not funny. Like it's a clever line. It's funny because it's a, you shouldn't fucking say that to anyone. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't say that, but, Santa's little cunt will always be funny to me. No yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the idea of their podcast is amazing as well. Tony, what do you think the podcast would be like? What, what, I want to hear that podcast. I, I think that they should do it. I think they, it should be up there somewhere. They could, I mean, if you let them two go, if you mm, gave them yeah. to a microphone and said, be ratty and the nonce, they, they would give you a 10, <laughs> 10 episode series podcast in a day. But I'm worried that I'm the one that would get cancelled because of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I go, yeah, inspired by me. Yeah, I think some people might not quite get the layers of joke and irony there. Yeah, and and they'll get a real following. That'd be terrifying. Oh yeah, if they suddenly ended up getting an actual. You can you can accidentally create a monster. Well, the fact that um, you know you're having a laugh was was a yeah. bit of a piss take of a catchphrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It became a, yeah. a catchphrase. Yeah. But I think with Ratley and Nonce, I think people know, I think they deep down, they know some people hate them. Some people actually hate them. They can't even get over the fiction of it. They go, I can't, I cannot stand those people on screen. So, you know, I, I do feel they've done their job. They, oh, they you know, the, as actors, they've really, they've really hit the mark. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Tony, it, it went from, from kind of, Series one to three, um, uh, just watching how the whole thing is developed and how you, your two characters have, have developed that relationship. Did you did you think did you have any inkling at the start that it was going to end that, like this, or is it kind of constantly surprised you how it's gone? I had no idea really. I think I I, I loved the idea of the, of the show, and that's what sort of I loved the idea of the show, and I really wanted to go and work for Ricky. Is the truth at the beginning? And that's all I really thought about, and I don't think I really got it into my head it, it being a Netflix show. And it wasn't until the end of the first series that I, I sort of cottoned on to hang about. This is a hundred and something countries are going to watch this as of tomorrow. Yeah. And it was dropped to millions of people. And I saw the potential there. And then the reaction to the first series was, I just don't think we, we could have even, you can't even hope for that. You can't even pray no. for that sort of reaction. And uh, then the second yeah. series, it just seemed to sort of completely double down on it. I think being in lockdown helped because people wanted it like people would at the moment there are people asking online to get be given the show it's only it's coming out in a couple of days yeah. i know and they're, they're yeah. desperate for it that's how you know they properly properly love it um so no and there's no way i could have known i knew it was going to be a good show hmm. i didn't know how good it was going to be and i i was happy when i first saw it but the reaction is just extraordinary you remember the first season when um, I showed you a desk that his desk, he liked, he liked the fact that it was sitting down um, and yeah. that it had snacks everywhere, right? <laughs> but then after about a week, 
it was filled with flies. Yeah. Because they were sort of half eaten snacks and oh, trouble. And so we had to we, we had to start again because <laughs> it was we created this disgusting <laughs> environment. It was a nice idea that Harry, uh, the props guy, lovely Harry and and I had was that like each episode there should be more empty wrappers from the episode before, but with a bit more added on top. But obviously, you can't just leave a load of half eaten biscuits. No, well, I'll tell you, this is how this is how filming works. So the scene in um, uh, series two where uh, uh, Brian and James have to eat cake, right? Just no reason for it to be there other than it's funny, right? And it went on for ages, right? But filming that to get it because because uh, David kept laughing. Every time he even take a, so it took ages. And at one point I thought I'd killed a man where he was going to overdose on cake. And after about the 10th take, he was spitting it out afterwards. Cause it was, you know, he'd eaten a fucking whole cake, right? We couldn't get it. And that was a Friday and this has never happened before. We didn't get it. So I said, we'll have to pick it up Monday. And that's never happened before. But with continuity, they kept our costumes in the fridge. So I had to, we had to put back on being covered in cake. For that I'm pickup. not even and it short. stank. I don't it think mine st- ended up in the fridge. I think mine was left out in the sun. It really was disgusting. It's yeah. So we have now of like a, like just having oh. to and picking up the scene. A side On- note to that, by the way, is that them eating a cake wasn't even in the scene that was something you came up with on the day so it wasn't even we'd you know shot what? the scene I, the scene was done do you know what tony i've run out of time but i was there oh, right. like when oh, I, I was on set when ricky saw thoughts suggested it like why don't you're we try right. that yeah. you're right yeah <laughs> so it was just for my amusement for two days we your amusement yeah <laughs> <laughs> on that unfortunately i've run out of time because i could talk about this all, all rest brilliant of the Thank you so much, Ricky. And Tony. My pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. boy. That was Ricky Gervais and Tony Way. And time now for this week's listener question. This week's listener question is a quick one because this is otherwise going to be like a 15 hour or 200 hour show, if you will, Beth. Uh, <laughs> this week's listener question comes from Matty Flynn. And he says In Wolf, Babu Sise's main character relaxes in an utterly magnificent robe, black with yellow octopuses. I think we commented on that when we reviewed that show. Mm. It's fabulous. Um, <laughs> I tracked it down only to find out that it was long out of stock gutted but my wife was not so easily dissuaded and can you imagine my joy when opening my christmas presents there it was congratulations matty i have octopus bathrobe envy um but he wants to know what piece of televisual sartoria do you wish father christmas had brought you well um of course let me just say that um first of all as an influencer Oh my god! Yeah. We've reached new levels of flattery. Uh, yeah, I, I've been on TV a couple of few times where people have asked me where I got my clothes from. Let me just say that. Obviously, usually to which the answer kind of, was always the Supreme Store. Usually, yeah. So it's usually some kind of supreme item of clothing that people ask me about. Um, that's happened a couple of times. Um, oh, by the way, influence. I meant to mention this earlier. You know, my my velvet hotel chocolate velvetizer thing. That I mentioned yes. last week. This has yes. become a phenomenon. I P- thought this people- is what you were talking about. Oh no, well, no because no, of you that as well. <laughs> Yeah, because of me. I really need Hotel Chocolate to, to give me some kind of marketing thing, acknowledgement, I don't know. Because basically, like people like Joe Barton, the acclaimed writer of Giri Haji and that excellent film Encounter, um, has, has, has got a Hotel Chocolate Velvetizer. Cause, well, cause because I was of you. On about it. Yeah, because I was joining on about yeah. it. 
James, pay attention to the um, feed, the Pilot I, I, TV I mean, feed. I noticed a few of our listeners have been saying, hey, boy, I've yeah. never heard of a velvetizer, yeah, but now I've got others. one. I didn't realize Joe Barton's got one Joe as well. Barton. <laughs> Joe Barton, no less. A man of great taste, apart from the fact he is a Spurs fan, um, uh, has got on board. Has got on board. So, yeah. So, so fashion-wise and hotel chocolate velvetizer-wise, I am a, I am an influencer. Um, if you but- are a celebrity and are buying velvetizers based off Boyd's uh, recommendations, <laughs> would you sort of work out a way that we get some kind of cut to yeah. help fund the podcast? Yeah. That'd be really helpful. <laughs> exactly. Sponsorship by hotel chocolate. Fucking hell, it's there. It's staring us in the, in the face. Anyway, That's amazing. I will admit to... I had a. It, this is a film example, annoyingly. So, um, but this is actually this is true. When you remember the the jacket, the Bellstaff leather jacket that Tom Cruise wears in War of the Worlds, in the film War of the Worlds, the Steven Spielberg version of War of the Worlds, right? Yeah. Is I really like that leather jacket. It's like a kind of um, brown slash tan kind of biker leather jacket. Obviously, he's a biker in the in the thing as well. I am not a biker. I've never ridden a motorbike in my life, obviously. But I really loved that leather jacket at the time, and um, actually bought that leather jacket i think it was about 600 quid and wow. i remember yeah i remember i was egged on i was like should i get it should i get it and then i thought you know tom cruise is a little guy like me he's like five foot five five foot six you know i thought i mean i'm not like the buff uh, tom cruise but i thought you know that'll work and my, i remember going to the Bellstaff shop with my mate cameron him really egging me on like you know going, yeah we find it'll look great on you it suits you and i bought it for like about 600 quid one of the most expensive items of clothing at that point that, that i bought and do you know what i wore it about four times yeah. <laughs> and um, I did not look like Tom Cruise in that Bellstaff leather jacket. Apart from that, I will say that there are some good supreme items have been on TV. For example, on um, in Euphoria, Fezco, in that first episode, that extraordinarily violent and distressing first episode, Fezco is a really fun, funny character. He's like, could barely, like, he's got the most, like, slurry delivery, um, of, <laughs> isn't he? He's the kind of, you know, the druggy guy that um, Zendaya spends some time with yeah. and he's just like, yeah. could barely string a sentence together. He is like the, but he wears a lot of Supreme and Palace stuff, like skatewear stuff. And yeah. in the first episode, he was wearing a Supreme polo jumper, which I didn't get um, when it came out and I slightly regretted it. And it's, he, it looks really good on him. And he is a drug addict and a drug dealer. So I'm not sure what it says about <laughs> Supreme being, <laughs> being the sartorial <laughs> detail that he is the character wearing it on the show. Nevertheless, there's also on Betty, you know, the skate show, Betty, yeah. With the, yeah, which I loved. Yeah. There's a, there's a Obama T-shirt that one of them wears in that, which is great, which is also a Supreme T-shirt. And in Dave, the Brit, which I love, that show about the rapper, the white rapper yeah. with um, genital issues, etc. Lil Dicky. <laughs> Lil Dicky. The best character, who is Elliot, played by Travis Bennett, has a brilliant Supreme brushed plaid sweater that, again, I didn't get. I really wanted to get it and I because I was getting something else that week. So um, I really need that Supreme blushed plaid sweater. And that's it for me. <laughs> well, I've got completely the other way with this. Um, what did I have? Clothing-wise, I would really love a pair of Sarah Snook's trousers from Succession. Mm. Shiv's trousers. I think they have their own kind of sub-Twitter fan base because huh. they're, like, they're just extraordinary. They're just the cut. They look super cosy. They just fit her really well. Beautiful, beautiful trousers. So Sarah Snook's trousers from Succession. Basically, every piece of comfortable homeware that Marty Crane owns. So we're talking mm. slippers. We're talking the armchair. I would like the dog. So that would be just. I'm a. I'm a, a woman of extreme comfort. So I, and I just. I always just feel incredibly jealous when I see Marty Crane and Frasier just sat in his little in his little corner. Just got everything he needs within sort of arm's distance. So I would quite like that. Um, 
I would love a, a friend's coffee cup. You can get those anyway, can't you? I could just walk out and get one. But one oh, of those yeah. giant kind of face-sized yeah. coffee cups for the like... The ones that know. Fisher Stevens said might as well have nipples on them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember wow. that episode? No! <laughs> Season one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Um, but one of those for my like Gilmore Girl level of coffee consumption. Um, and then just a wild card that is a... Um, <laughs> it's like a Madame Tussauds knockoff Russell Brand head that um, <laughs> Vod has in the first season of Fresh Meat. It's just one of those glorious... Something I really love about that show is that the house, the student house that they have, which feels so like lived into the point where you can kind of smell the like sticky surfaces in it. Like it's such a well-made house and they have all these wild kind of old props in there. And one of the the weird things that kind of surfaces in the house is this Russell Brand, like a horrible waxwork head that becomes kind of part of the furniture. Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah. why not? If I could have it, I would have that somewhere mm. in the house. So, Have you done your, aren't you doing hosting the, um, with the Q&A with, all, with the fresh meat crowd? Have you done that yet? Why, thank you for asking, Boyd. That is yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. All being See? well. We've had, had a little bit of a COVID scare in the house, but all being well, Saturday. Um, oh, wow. I'll, I'll be chatting at the BFI, with, isn't it? At the BFI, in, in, I'll be chatting with everyone, um, which is fantastic. Rec- as long as no one gets gets the dreaded COVID, that's I've got yeah full cast and Sam and Jesse, so I'm very that's excited very exciting. Yeah, that is, yeah. that is really exciting. Yeah. And is this? Can we watch this anywhere? How can we see this? Do we have to come to the BFI, or is it actually like <laughs> is it streaming somewhere? Like what's happening with it? I think they might be filming it. Um, they will. They film it. They, sim- put, they film sim- everything. They put yeah. everything. It might. It will take a while sometimes, but they put everything online usually. Yeah, because um, the shows on Amazon Prime in the US, isn't it? As I recall, it's on Netflix here. So it's all the Netflix. It's on Netflix here. Yeah, it's Amazon um, in the US. Yeah, so that's been. Oh, it's just been such a joy to kind of go through and because we've been picking out clips and things to to use for it, and they really do have. As I said, watching that and Succession at the same time has been so funny because you can see yeah. so much the kind of correlation between the the. Like just stupidness of some of the stuff they say. Um, yeah, oh, I love yeah that show great. So to the I can't have them all on stage either. So we've got to have sort of in shifts and then sound. Oh, really? Yeah, because you can only have so many people. Yeah, on the okay, stage. that makes sense. Um, it's such a good show. Such a good show. It's so good. Oh, also, actually, it, look at the Amazon Prime thing. I think that's a recent thing. I think they've, they've just sold the rights to Amazon Prime in the US. Ah. I think this is a, a recent acquisition. Uh, Does that mean right. it hadn't aired in the US prior to this? Well, if you're an American listener and you haven't seen Fresh Meat, then you can watch it on Amazon Prime soon, and it is well worth it. Um, here's, here's the thing. You know how I rag on Amazon Prime's user interface? Well, I it's not just me. Everyone does it, don't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. There is a thing. This is absolutely true. There is extra bonus material for season six of The expanse on their weird x-ray thing but you can only view it i have been told on an ipad or something you like you can't view it via your tv box because i went looking for it couldn't find it and one of our listeners said oh you have to be on like a device you can't be on the tv looking at it that is fucking crazy like genuinely amazon of all the things you've done this may be the most ridiculous there is apparently 25 extra minutes of expanse goodness i could have seen and you denied it to me by putting it on an ipad so psa for everyone else Look at it on your iPad. Um, but that's not the answer to this question on any no. level. So, I mean, look, let's be honest. If it was me, it's going to be something ridiculous, isn't it? Like, I'd want, I'd want like, the Mandalorian's armour, or I'd want, you know... Uh, <laughs> actually, to be fair, going back to The Expanse, Marco Inaros rocks the shit out of his belter jumpsuit. 
just saying it's a it's a particularly fetching uh baba voss has a good line in kind of cold weather apparel in sea uh although if i'm to go for normal human level modern day clothes i will say i don't think i've ever seen a man rock a suit as well as harvey specter in suits admittedly the show is literally called suits so you kind of expect that to be the case but he, he cuts quite the figure you know who was I agree with that you know who was very stylish in Suits actually was Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal the TV series um, oh my Matt god Mikkelsen's. everyone in that looked amazing yeah everyone did look amazing you're right but his suits his, his was it like he were, had velvet suits and stuff yeah, didn't velvet, he yeah velvet and they were yeah. lush um, oh, things very yeah well it was dressed. an incredible figure of style and obviously a psychopath serial killer um, yes but, but everything about that show was just glorious yeah, everything about that show was high style yeah also I've just remembered the IT crowd um, Roy's t-shirts were brilliant on the IT code, remember, it used to have a series of kind of nerdy. There was one that was referenced Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I remember trying to get one of those and actually getting it eventually, which had the whale. It was a blue one with the whale on it, like a digital kind of whale thing. Um, so yeah, I remember loving those. Right. Well, I think that broadly speaking answers that particular question, kind of, maybe. Anyway, uh, if you have a question for the Pilot TV podcast, do send it to us at Pilot TV Pod, preferably on Twitter. But you can also do Instagram if you like or whatever platform you prefer. And we will attempt to answer it in some shape here uh but should we talk about news this week what's been happening in news there's a little bit of casting news for your favorite show only murders in the building so martin short was doing a little bit of press and he mentioned that this next season will have amy schumer and shirley mcclain in it so oh, that, nice yeah that's pretty incredible yeah why isn't why yeah. the fuck isn't he doing a little bit of press with us that's what i want i'm desperate to speak to martin short <laughs> yeah. but yes beth what was your thing might be casting news Aubrey plaza in the White Lotus. Yes. Absolutely superb. Absolutely superb. Um, with her in, um, oh, Michael Imperelli. Yeah, Im- Im- Imperelli. Yeah. Imperelli, yeah. Imperelli. Thank you. Um, this this casting this season is already off to like, if we get Jennifer Coolidge back again, already off to a yeah. rip start, that's going to be great. She's, she's playing um, a wife to a man who's going on holiday with his friends so she's kind of the the tagger along person and i could just see her being really like seething and and kind of hanging out and being moody in the in the shadows under like a gorgeous sun hat or something so i'm very excited about that i'm so excited about that someone pointed Um, out on twitter that my theory that jennifer coolidge was was going to come back as a different character is flawed mm. because it's more likely that she'll come back as the same character going to another luxury hotel which is a fair point um it could well be (laughs) so i acknowledge that my um, assumption i mean she hasn't even been confirmed as you say yet to, to be coming back but she everyone seems to think that she definitely is Definitely. There's also Sharon Stone in the flight attendant. There's loads of good casting news this week. Yes, that's true. Flight attendant season two. Yeah. Um, Flight attendant was a show, an example of a show that I finished. Do you remember in the the, the, in the what we actually end up finishing slot and what do we think of them in the end thing? I think that the flight attendant was great and it didn't really make my final list or many final lists of like show of the year. It kind of hovered around, but Mm. it was really fun and gripping and had a kind of really interesting tone kelly croco was brilliant but the but to see yeah. to see season two with sharon stone that's that's exciting mm. i love sharon playing kelly croco's mother her estranged yeah. mother yeah very exciting and i mean the big news really is bbc3 i i think bbc3 confirmed it's coming back as a linear channel on february the first um and they will have a new series quite i don't know whether this will be on 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 the night but quite early on in february the new series of starstruck rose matafeo's um mm. brilliant 
romantic comedy is back yes. um, in, on the new BBC Three when it becomes a linear channel, a proper linear channel. Um, and Russell Tovey is joined the cast of that. So, oh, that's exciting. Could be more. Is he? Yes. <sighs> Yeah, but how's he going to be able to do that with Doctor Who? I wonder. <laughs> well, he's filmed the film series two of of, uh, of Star Trek already, ready to arrive on on the brand it's new BBC Three. So being Doctor, being the Doctor, he can cope with that when that time happens. Lord Beth, time Lord. Yeah. Yeah, he's a t- and he's a time lord, yeah. Uh, but it's weird. The BBC Three thing's strange because it's like it was no longer a channel, but it never went away because it was always kind of like a brand, wasn't yeah. it? It was just yeah. Oh yeah, the whole thing's a Farrago. Decision. Yeah, I remember going yeah. to the press conference at the BBC where they explained uh, where, where the, they had to explain why it made sense to get rid of BBC Three as a channel and make it an online brand. I mean, it, it made no sense. What the fuck whatsoever? <laughs> and basically, this whole thing is a tacit, a tacit, you know, acknowledgement that it was a preposterous thing to do, and they could have. Completely kept it as a linear channel and still had all the brilliant shows. I mean, they have commissioned some of the greatest shows, BBC Three. We should acknowledge that. Mm. Dramas and comedies, you know, Normal People was a BBC Three commission. Um, uh, Fleabag, I think it was BBC Three commission, etc. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it totally makes sense to bring it back as a linear channel. Peacemaker aired in the US last week and uh, went down pretty well. Still don't know when we're going to see it, though. Like, people are saying it was actually no. a lot of fun. Um, I'm really keen to see it. And again, it may be... Maybe exactly you said, boy, that we're waiting and Sky going to drop us a box out. I mean, who knows? But uh, I, yeah. f- I find it odd that that has yet to be announced over here. So odd. That's such a big... I mean, I know we moan about hacks and whatnot, but that is such a big hacks, title for oh them to just... God. Hacks, the show that we're never going to get to see. <laughs> never get. winning every single TV award on the planet, and yet we would <laughs> yeah. never, ever yeah, get We're get never, to ever going to see it. <laughs> oh, my but, God. Yeah. What else? We saw that there was a clip for the Courtney Cox, Greg Kinnear, Shining Vale, uh, which is that kind of haunted house type thing. Not a trailer, literally a clip of them just wandering around the house talking to Sherilyn Fenn. Uh, hasn't really mm. done much to tell me what this is going to be, but it's a horror comedy about a dysfunctional family. I know that. Nice. What else have we seen? There was a trailer for the new Apple show, Suspicion, which has to be said. So Suspicion is in on the Apple press site. So I actually really want to sit down and watch that because it actually mm. looks really good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. That's coming up. Oh, I want to say it's yes. February 4th. February 4th. There we go. It's on February 4th. It's got Uma Thurman in it and it looks great. Um, what else has happened, people? The Great has been recommissioned for third season. That's a show that I haven't, like, I keep not finishing. Um it's on um, Stars Play here, isn't it? Again, hmm. I, I, I refer to, uh, to my Your earlier... Your snobbery comes in. My, it it's can't be snobbery. good. It's on Stars Play. <laughs> it's not snobbery at all. It's more... It feels slightly less easy, ex- easily accessible, I think, mm. is what it is. You know, I mean, hassle, doing a hassle, I believe, is what it is. The hassle. We're doing a show this week, yeah. by the way, that's on the, a channel that's only on BT, what, BT TV. AMC UK. AMC, yeah, AMC UK. <laughs> so we'll get to that. But it does make a difference. But so, but the great is great. You know, the 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 show about with Elle Fanning as Catherine the Great. It's really funny and brilliantly written and you know all of that but and there's been two 10 episode seasons so far that but i haven't finished i've watched like the first few of each one but i need to finish it and there will be a third i just think that it's such an excellent use of nicholas holt i i agree yes. with you i still need to finish some of them but i feel holt like it's brilliant nicholas holt is one of those people that just keeps getting pushed slightly to the sidelines when he's got all of that potential to go out and be completely balls to the wall he was one of my favorite things in mad max i remember when i was going yeah, in worrying yeah. he might be the weak link and he came out one of being one of the best things and i just think he's always his projects are just a little bit off for him and this is spot on and i love it when that happens when that kind of talent is put to such good use so yeah i need to catch up it because obviously gillian anderson was in the last season as well yeah, which yeah. is great casting 
Um, yeah, I'll definitely get back on that one. The Boys Season 3 has been dated. That's now June the 3rd of this year. Excited to see that back. And there's a little bit more information about the sort of spin-off, which is the college spin-off of The Boys, which I'm in slightly two minds about, but will obviously still watch. The Golden Globes happened, but who cares? Yeah, um, did, they even, did they even happen? I mean, they the results on Twitter. It's a bit like, yeah. could you be any more low-key? So low-key. Yeah. Weird. Just yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, and Emily in Paris has been renewed for two oh, yeah. more seasons. For fuck's yeah. sake. Oh, yeah. I mean... Anytime I hear an announcement like this, and I've said it on here before, it just twists the knife a little bit more on the fact that they dropped Glow season four when it had already filmed the first few episodes, and they're pushing on with this absolute fucking shit. But it's this huge. Someone shit. did someone did tweet. Some prominent tweeter said, "People people are shocked that Netflix keeps recommissioning really really popular shows." I mean, <laughs> that, you know, that it it, is like I it, get it. Of course, it's like it's clearing all the hurdles clearly, <laughs> but it just makes me so salty because i know i know glow is the best glow is the best you're right yeah it's funny that this isn't news by the way well it's kind of news but there's no other places to go but is anyone everyone realizing that and and just like that the sex in the city thing that we're all and just like that james was right as is well right yeah and someone 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 locked up that t-shirt yeah that that hero but now it's like now it's gone the other way and everyone's saying it's really good again I know, so now Terry's I, done a reverse ferret. Yeah, you know, Terry a reverse ferret. In the same has week the bet yes. turned on it. Yes. P- uh, Terry, who gave yes. it two stars, has turned, decided it's genius. Yes. So what the is The episode that Cynthia Nixon directed was the one that got her back and a lot of other people back, I see, which, of course, is the one I stopped watching it just before that <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. This, um, oh, don't make me go back and yeah, watch it. Yeah, and now, it. not only that, Beth, Beth, there's a whole Grazia cover story saying it's really good now. Um, you know, <laughs> Did Terry and, write it? I don't think Terry wrote it, no. Um, <laughs> Paul Flynn, I think Paul Flynn wrote. He was very good, very very um, clever guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I'm gonna have to start watching it again. It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, that's news of this kind. <laughs> right. That is news of a form. Um, did either of you manage to watch the Bel Air trailer? Yes. Because yes, it was geo blocked when I looked at it, and I wasn't able to see. It. Did it look good? This is the reimagining of the Fresh Prince in a sort of dramery fashion. It strikes more of a tone in line with something like Gossip Girl for me, like the reboot of Gossip Girl mm. in the, but it will obviously probe into some slightly deeper thematic kind of areas. But it seems, it seems quite fun. Um, it is, you can definitely see shadows of Will Smith in the casting. Like you can definitely see where that central casting choice came from. It's just, it's very well made. They did do a sort of ta-da. The, the first bit is like, Uncle Phil, Oh my God, Carlton! So good to see you again. And then it's like ta da, ta da, ta da. Um, but then obviously we're fucking here for it. So so that's fair enough. It just looks it's very well made. Definitely with a with a kind of young adult skew to it. But it looks like it could still be quite fun while also dealing with the darker themes of the the new show. It looks it looks exciting. I'm excited for it. Doesn't have the song. I don't want to know. <laughs> there is a nod to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, they they say a lyric from the song <clears throat> as dialogue huh. um, in part of it, which is quite sweet. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks great. I'm looking forward to it. Well, our own Jimmy Akinbola, the British actor, is in it. By the way, is Jeffrey? That that'll be interesting because I remember I interviewed him about something else um, a couple mm. of months ago, and he was he was filming in LA then and he was saying how what an interesting experience it is to be part of this but it is it is going for being complete drama though that is the whole yeah. point of it yeah it's fascinating 
Anyway, sorry, James, you're about to wind up. Is that a full lid, news-wise, are <laughs> yes. we saying? You can slap the lid on. That's the lid on. Uh, time now for our second guest of this week's show. You may remember Nell Tiger free from her turn as Princess Marcella Baratheon in Game of Thrones. Uh, but you more likely know her as Creepy Nanny Leanne in Apple's Servant, which returns for third season this week. Want to know what it's like providing wraparound care for a baby made of plastic? Boyd did. And this is him with Nell Tiger free. Um, we are huge fans of Servant on the on the podcast. Um, oh, I think, thank you so much. I think partly because it's complete, like it feels completely unique. Like there's nothing else like it on TV. Can can you, when you first um, were sent the script and you first got the role, what did you make of the whole concept, the whole idea of it? Yeah, I mean, when I first read, because I got sent the pilot when I was initially auditioning for the show, and uh, I thought to myself, if I didn't get the role. I was definitely going to watch it because I just needed to know what happened because they leave you at such a good cliffhanger at the end of the first episode. And in my head, when I was reading the first episode, I was like, I feel like there's a thousand different ways this could go. And even being in the show now, I still can't pinpoint which way it's going to go ever from episode to episode even. Um, so I think that's just such an exciting part about the show is because it's not like a particularly linear story because it's not something that we are used to as a story like a classic love or like a you know a horror it's it's this very new kind of take on storytelling and so even when you're in the show you have no idea what the fuck is gonna happen please do please do swear <laughs> okay um, brilliant we, we encourage it um <laughs> uh and as this uh this new season arrives where would you say leanne i mean it feels like leanne's completely changed now like in many ways like she's she's grown she's moved on she's almost feels like she's in charge in some ways yeah. of the house now yeah how where, <laughs> where would you say she, she, we, we find her in this season I think that without giving anything away, we find her still in a sort of a place of fragility. And then by, I mean, I think it's okay to say that her progression is quite astounding by the end of season three. Um, she's barely recognizable from the girl that we first met in the pilot. And um, yeah, she has a sense of of control and this new kind of power that she's breathing into. And she's dangerous, man. <laughs> she's... Um, She's, yeah, she's really, really developed. It's been so much fun developing her and getting us to this point that we're at right now. Um, yeah, so I think fans of the show are going to hopefully be really on board with this new Leanne that we're going to see. Do the writers and um, does Night Shyamalan or whoever um, talk you through your art before each season? Do you get a sense of where, she, did you know, did you get a sense of where she's going to go? No, or is it all like script by script, episode by episode? Bro, they don't tell me shit. I find out when the, <laughs> when, the, when the scripts get sent to me, that's when I find out. And then me and Knight will have a long conversation about it. But the scripts get sent to me, all four of us get the scripts at the same time. And it's like, I have no idea what's going to happen in season four. None, could not tell you. We're going to go shoot it soon. I have no idea what's happening. So... We really do. And sometimes, depending on how schedule's going, we'll get the episodes like at different times. And it's just, yeah, we, we really sometimes do go into shooting a season blind, which is so much fun because we get to kind of figure it out on the way as well. It kind of gives it an air of, of a bit more natural. Like we haven't over-processed the thoughts yet. Um, Christ, I sound so like artsy. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, we, we sort of learn as we go, you know. Lots of things um, strike me. First of all, this series season feels like one where where the, the show gets out of the house a bit more, a bit more. Yeah. Um, at least in the block. <laughs> 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 the block outside. But that house is so astonishing. Like 
Is it so? Is it? Am I right in thinking it's a series of it's sound stages? It's a set. It's not. You know, it's not one massive house that you're filming in. Yeah, yeah. The risk of shattering the illusion. It is. Uh, it is sound stages. We shoot the exteriors outside the real house. It is a real house. It's free. Um, it's pretty cool. We get to see some of the fans go stand outside the house and like tag us in it on Instagram, which is great. I love seeing that. Um, so there is a real house that it's based on, but the inside is from the minds of the people that serve. And, and yes, three, three, four now sound stages, and that's pretty much where we live in Philly when we're shooting. Like I spend more time in the sound stages than I do probably anywhere else on planet earth um but it's so it's been great that we've actually got to fucking go outside <laughs> see the light of day like normal human beings um it's been a lot of fun and we shot in summer as well so it was like warm we had these new characters and it was great shooting season three was was a was a really nice change yeah, I mean, the, 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 it looks beautiful. The the outside scenes are with they really make use of that. Like it's sunny, and yet yeah. somehow it's still creepy, <laughs> creepy and scary. Oh yeah, we got to right. keep it creepy. It's gonna be bright yeah. sunshine, and you're gonna be scared shitless. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw the interview with Knight that Knight Shemlin gave. Um, uh, I think yesterday uh, it dropped where he said that um, you know he thought that he wanted to make this the scariest um, series so far, and I. Th- so far yeah. from what I've seen, the first one or five episodes it is. Can you pick? Can you put your finger on how on what how he's made it scarier this time? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely we've amped up. I, I want to steer away from the word horror because I don't think that fits with our show. But I think the thriller is at uh, is at a boiling point in season three, and because um, my, I mean, there's a lot of fear coming into season three in Leanne and. Um, yeah, right off the bat, episode one is a pretty explosive episode and it doesn't really temper down. It kind of stays at this peak of of stress. This is a very stressful season yeah. <laughs> to yes. shoot and to watch, I imagine. I've not seen it, but um oh. but yeah, we've really played more into the into the elements of fear and grabbed onto the things that people kind of responded to the most from season one and season two. And I think we've just kind of amplified them. And um, yeah, sometimes it was scary to shoot, dude. Like I, sometimes there are moments like I hate being chased. I hate it. And like, wow. Without giving anything away, there may or may not hypothetically be a moment where Leanne is chased. And I was actually scared. I'm like running for my life. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> and he, and even when she isn't being chased, she thinks she's being chased. So it's kind of like Leanne is yeah. at almost constant level of stress, isn't she? In this series, I think it's fair to Yeah, say. she can't even she can't even take a nap without freaking out. <laughs> no. Right. You also have to deal with in episode one, you have to deal with a lot of insects, moths, and creepy crawlers. Oh my god, I thought now. you said incest. Incest. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean maybe. Later. I was like, I think you're watching the wrong show. Insects, <laughs> yes. Um insects. that was the other one moths. I did. <laughs> Insects, yeah. moths. Right. Yes, 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 right. yes. Yeah, we um, do. We do. There's a lot were more. Were they creatures. real or were they CGI? Did you have to deal with yeah. real oh. Um oh, fucking, I can't remember. Some of them were real. Um, right. but it's quite difficult to get that kind of cacophony of moths. It's the wrong word. It's quite difficult to get that many moths to behave. I remember season two with the cricket incident. There were so many crickets, and we had to control these crickets and like it was the most, no one wanted to harm the crickets. Um, but yeah, we've got moths and we've got, a lot of it is CGI, I'm not going to lie to you, because you can't, there's not much we can do. But I would have been cool with it. I love all like the creepy crawlies and stuff. Like I would have been happy to have them. But, right. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. 
And and you, have, Leanne holds the baby I, I'm, a lot in this series. Like, like I would say, most of the time you are with Jericho. Um, yes. Is, again, yes. How did you find that? How did you find dealing with it? presumably a real baby this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly it's the real baby. Um, the doll's slightly easier, but a lot less cute. Um, it's a lot less scary if you feel like you're going to drop the doll. I think we're all very protective over these babies. Um, like me and Lauren, especially because we, uh, the boys are great with them too, but me and Lauren have to spend most, most of our time with these babies. So we have to like go sit in their playroom before we shoot and get them like accustomed to us and our smell and the way that we behave so that the kids feel safe with us. Cause we're sort of meant to be their, their mothering figures as, as, um, to these babies. So, you know, and every baby's different. <laughs> Some of them are really chill and cool, goes to sleep and do what you need them to do. Others bite, <clears throat> but it's it's good. It's good. I love the babies. How I love babies you, How many babies play Jericho then? How many babies play Jericho? Uh, so we had two sets of triplets in season one, three sets in wow. season three, two others, but around 15 Jerichos. <laughs> wow. wow There's a lot of Jerichos. Yeah, yeah, the love Jericho. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, what, I'm just talking about your fellow cast members because it is, really is like this, mm. this, this, um, this group of four characters, this core group is so interesting that like you're kind of now this family. Um, yes, very much. Has your? I mean, they are. Um, Lauren is 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 really funny. Like I'm thinking about in episode one, she suddenly breaks into song when you're all going to yeah. when you're all going to go off to the seaside or whatever. Like that sums yeah. up. There's there's a very funny. There's a Riley funny tone to the whole thing. A lot of that comes from her. Massively. Do you think from Lauren's performance? Yeah. Yeah, I think Lauren gives massive comedic relief to the show. I mean, she's also has to bear the brunt of most of the dramatic elements of the show, and then also it's just tapered in with this. She's so funny. She is a brilliant. She she's the perfect Dorothy. I can't imagine anyone else on this planet being able to play this role because, it you know the role sort of turned into what Lauren created her, and there's just this amazing balance she has of being heartbreaking and kind of scary sometimes. Like Dorothy can be just as scary as Leanne, right. and then like I mean I'm sure you'll remember the season two episode where she beats the living daylights out of me like <laughs> but lauren's hilarious like lauren makes me laugh so much on the show and she's hilarious in real life as well like she's just the funniest right. person everyone's really funny uh, of course you and rupert and toby are all british which yeah. is slightly odd isn't it and you're all doing fantastic yes, accents. Do, you, do, away, you, yeah. <laughs> do you all do you stay in accent all of you together or do you tobe does you know, in, when, uh, okay yeah um, tobe stays in his you, accent um, and you feel really we don't do need not. to. Your fu- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not it's not that we don't need doesn't. to. No, no, it's not that we don't need to. We probably do need to. We probably do need to stay in the accent because Toby, Toby's accent is because he stays in it so much. It's just become second nature to him. So like he really doesn't break unless it's the weekends. And we're all like, oh, yeah, we forgot you're northern. But um, but no, Rue and I, we don't stay in our accents. Like we'll do. We'll be talking in American as soon as they cut. They're like. Christ, it's bloody cold in here, isn't it? Like we're, I think for me, it's important for me to keep my accent in between takes because I don't want to kind of get lost in it. I want to be able to be like, this is work and this is separate from, you know, that's just for me, I'm yeah. not like you know, code switching that quickly is kind of easy. It's not too difficult for me. Um, right. But I probably should stay in it so that my accent moves a little bit better. 
Oh no 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 no! I, I know. I, I, loads of people like when I mentioned that you are in fact British. I don't, don't even didn't even realise. I mean, loads of people just assume yes. American. So I think yes, I'm telling Toby that. <laughs> absolutely. Now I wanted to ask you about the whole religious cult theme of it, which is I think mm. you know becoming more and more to the fore like, to, to, um, in the show. Is that something that did you look into that whole world of, of religious cults, or did you kind of take it from the script of what's there and what happens to you to Leanne? I I didn't know because for me. This cult is 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 a fabricated cult, and it's come from the minds of our writers. And there's not really something that I would want to kind of base my feelings off of it from, because it's it's meant to be this otherworldly thing. I don't think there's anything on this earth that I would want to draw a parallel to it with. I think that was important to me with the entirety of Leanne's character. I didn't do, you know, research into into sort of any of that stuff because I just wanted her to be this kind of big, bright, new, strange entity. And um, so there's no, I've never really taken any influence from anything other than M. Knight's brain and our writer's brains. Mm. And just, we kind of create mm. this creature together. Um, so yeah, she's kind of, yeah, the the whole religious aspect and all of that stuff. Cause it's not really traditionally religious at all. There's, it's not like she's a devout Christian to a certain church where I could research that and that sort of upbringing. It's this kind of otherworldly, is it satanic? Is it not? Is it angels? Is it death? Is it murder? Is it like all of this stuff? So, yeah. And she does seem to be talking to God uh, to some extent now. Is it? Well, we don't know. Maybe she <laughs> yeah, is, maybe right. she isn't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I am scene. so bad at giving spoilers. You have no idea. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to be careful. You have to be careful completely. Yeah. Um, there is a scene, let's talk about a scene without spoiling it, where you end up having dancing. I think it's at the end of episode four. You know, do you remember that? Seems where you Oh, I remember it. <laughs> right. That's extraordinary. An extraordinary moment. I think it really shows the boldness of this show that it will stop and allow this scene to happen. Which is really weird and interesting. How did when you it read is that, weird. that? Right. How did you approach yeah. that? Was it weird? right? Um, how did I approach that? <sighs> I read it and I was like, oh, fucking no. <laughs> I read it and I was not happy because I cannot dance. Um, and I was just freaking out to be honest I was like because originally we weren't going to get a choreographer in and it was just you know go and be free and feel the fluidity to the movement and I was like no I can't do it I cannot do it and then we got a choreographer in and thank god she was amazing and saved me and just really really made me believe in myself and it took you know some serious freaking deep breaths and no shots of tequila for me to go on and do it (laughs) um but we did it and it was good. It was probably the scene I was most nervous about shooting in the entirety of seasons one, two, three, and right. uh, probably upcoming of four was that dance. Because it was so out of my comfort zone and um, not never something I'd even tried. And then, yeah, it was, I'm pr- really proud of it, honestly, you know, that we all did it together. That's great. I mean, they so, actually got me to do yeah, it. <laughs> so, so interesting. Yeah. And then does it say in the script, I mean, again, without spoiling it, like what, you know, so just since she suddenly decides to dance and is there a kind of like explanation in a way for oh yeah there's always an explanation right. to everything there's method to all of the madness and it's you know it's meant to be about her liberation and she's kind of finding herself and kind of because there's so many boundaries where she grew up you know dancing is a sign of 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 is a negative thing in the cult that she grew up, you know, in season two, they dance right before they stab your eyes out and send you back to hell. So, you know, it's meant to be kind of a celebration of something that was taboo, you know, cause she's doing all that stuff. 
Um, one, I think one of the, the other things that I love about the show is that it, 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 it always feels like it's verging on the supernatural, like, you know, mm. but you're never quite sure whether it really is or whether a lot of it's maybe going on in Leanne's mind, for example. Um, do you know yourself? Do you feel like you have a strong handle on whether things are going to get really supernatural or already supernatural? Do you know what I mean? I know as much as everyone else is going to know when they finish season three. That's all I know. I don't know anything. I have my own theories and my own thoughts, and my own inklings, but you know, everything that appears to be supernatural, there is a logical explanation for down to the last tiny moment in any episode. Um, our writers are really great with that, that they, that there's always something that can be explained. Um, but you know, I have my own quiet personal thoughts and feelings on it. And we all kind of, have a little chat and debates going on about it. Um, but, you know, I know as much as you guys. Let's see. Let's find out together, shall we? <laughs> I also um, night announced yesterday, originally, the, 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 I think it was going to be 60, it's also in 60 episodes, which would have been, yeah. cut that down to a mere 40. But, um, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, so you're not tempted to ask him, you know, like to, to know where it's all heading and how well the ending is going to be, or, or do you actually, are you happy to, to, to not know and you'd rather keep that mystery for yourself? Oh, I've asked him. You won't tell me. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I asked him, I learned to stop asking him like to give me spoilers in season beginning of season one, to be honest with you. It's just not going to break. He gives you what you need to know to do the best performance you can for your character. But as opposed to the whole grand arc of things, I mean, he's had his whole vision since the very beginning and he's keeping it quiet. Fair enough. You said <laughs> yeah. you, you were reluctant to use the word horror, which is interesting because yeah, um, I know what you mean. Once you start signing a genre to something, it, it, you know, kind of, but because this feels like it's all kinds of things, doesn't it? Um, in a way, yes. all kinds of genres mixed together. But having said that, what is the scariest, the scariest scene to film for you so far? I think probably when I was getting chased, that was really scary. Like I, I hate being chased so much, and so like we were when we were shooting it, I was running too fast. They're like now. Let slow down. We cannot see you on camera. I was like, nope, I'm gone. Like, um, getting chased was really scary for me. I I don't like tight claustrophobic spaces, so I had to do a couple of scenes in a cool space, which was just less scary, more a little bit like, okay, I've got to do this. Um, I don't know. I think those are probably the scenes that were most scary to film. But sometimes the more intense scenes can be the most fun because it's 5 a.m and you're in a park and you're with all of your friends that you're shooting with and you're filming this ridiculous crazy stunt and it's like you're delirious but you're also like really hungry and then pizza turns up and it's it's great i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean is that chases when you got all the, the tiger makeup on that that sequence yeah thing, yeah 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 that is yeah. an incredible sequence yeah yeah and i have to ask you about the food actually because there's all you know obviously also, toby's dealing with all this weird food is that is there just lots of spectacular food on set or is that just all for the show uh yeah i mean tobes and our amazing chef drew are always working they are always in the kitchen and also tony ravioli i mean revelori shit can't call him tony ravioli tony revelori um who also plays uh he plays toby in the show they're always dealing with cooking and, but they love it. It's like their weird baby is, and cause I'm actually vegetarian. So all of the crazy meats and stuff I have to eat in the show, it's all Drew and Toby creating some sort of like tofu or sweet potato alternative. And it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. And like they have their own kitchen on, on site and in between scenes, you'll find most of the cast going into the kitchen and just like sitting on the edge and having chats in the kitchen. It's so much fun. Like if I'm hungry, they'll like whip me up an amazing little marinara. <laughs> it's just, they're great. It's, it's a great element to the show. 
And I've like learned nice. to cook a bit more from watching them as well. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Nell, thanks so much. Uh, great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Nell Tiger Free and time for this week's reviews. And first up this week, we have Trigger Point, which stars Vicky McClure as a specialist police officer who says nice one, mate, to her partner, which I've got to be honest, is a pleasantly soothing kind of balm to all of us who've been missing Line of Duty. Uh, but this is not AC12. Rather, it sees McClure and Adrian Lester as a bomb disposal team. Uh, Boyd, does Trigger Point give you bang for your buck? Yes. Uh, well done. Um, good, bang, <laughs> good bang reference. Um... The word for this show is taut. T A U T, taut. It is, yeah. I mean, I often wheel taut out when I'm reviewing thrillers. It's such a cliche. And in fact, obviously, um, any writer, decent writer, whether it's trying to avoid cliches, but taut thriller, I mean, it is one of the most reliable phrases of our time when it comes to this kind of show. But this is so fucking taut. It thrusts you straight into the business of bomb disposal. So it's uh, uh, so it's produced by Line of Duty, Jeb Mercurio. It's written by uh, Daniel Brearley. And it's got that Line of Duty kind of instantly gripping, um, authentic, authentic feeling, and yet kind of relentless um pace to it it's mm. taught um all all the way throughout so in this in the opening episode you're thrust in the situation where mcclure is this um experienced bomb disposal operative and adrian lester is her colleague and they've known each other for years they served in afghanistan afghanistan together um they just seem to be mates they don't seem to be romantically linked in any way but they've got that kind of like banter to use that horrible word um with each other and they bounce off each other very effectively and i totally believed in them as a duo with a kind mm. of felt like a very believable way into their relationship and they are thrust into a london housing estate where there's a case of a suspected bomb factory um in like you know in the toilet of one of these um flats and that there's a suspected bomb maker somewhere around as well um and so the whole of this first episode and i've only seen the first episode I think it's a six-parter the whole of this first episode is basically a kind of set piece tense thriller thing of disposing of objects that could may well be bombs and may well explode and kill everyone or anyone at any given moment and the fact that there's probably some kind of some kind of bomb dis fact got bomb makeup watching the whole thing somehow monitoring it what's going on and getting used to adrian lester and vicky McClure's characters and i have to say i thought it did all of that brilliantly i mean i'm in you know i was it's totally it was totally tense um i mean there is something you don't get there isn't anything much more tense as a premise than bomb disposal is there i mean it's intrinsically yeah, yeah. It's intrinsically stressful and tense and taut, but I think it's really well made and directed and they're great. And so it, it, I was kind of expecting it to be like this. And um, it is, it's living up to my expectations, I would say. I wasn't expecting the entire episode to be right. essentially a diffusal. Yeah. So, because like, yeah. it really is. So that's in true. a film, you know, when there's a bomb scene and you're, yeah. you're very because you're like, something's going to blow up. I'm really stressed. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. It lasts a few minutes. This lasts 48 minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. And it's just one long, yeah. I'm really stressed. Something's going to blow up kind of scene. Absolutely. You're right. And and that is what makes it, I guess that is what makes it exceptional. Yeah. The boldness of that, of kind of making it that this one situation. Um, and, and I thought that was very effective. And yeah, that was really good. You're right. That is that is what does elevate yeah. it from, and I mean, all it's diffused. really well done. 
But what I'm saying is one of the nominees for scene of the year, I'm calling it in January, and it is Vicky McClure and the nodding dog in the car, the greatest comedy scenes in television history. I was howling with laughter at that because it was so out of sync with the tone of the show. Like it was so just overtly comedic and it was just genius. I thought that was that was fantastic. And of course Vicky McClure and Adrian Lester are both brilliant. Absolutely, completely embody and personify their roles from the off. His character, by the way, is called Joel Nutkins, which is kind of... <laughs> no relation clear. to Terry. No relation to Terry, and it's a, <laughs> just a weird uh, character choice, name choice, but anyway. Yes. Beth, did this blow you away? It did, it did. Um, I really liked that this whole episode did pivot around something as tense and, like, nerve-shredding, just instantly, like, instantly dropped you in there, a smattering of exposition which was delivered very lightly and in a way that felt very naturalistic and then it really didn't waste any time getting stuck into like I'm, I'm always worried that they're not going to be able to keep that level of, mm. of anxiety throughout the whole I hope they don't because it'll kill me but like <laughs> the, the level of anxiety that they're able to maintain throughout that opening episode is just extraordinary and and it just it always goes without saying that Vicky McClure is amazing in this like she really does have to carry it's it's so interesting to see the skill set that people like her character hold in that they have to be able to not only do their jobs incredibly well knowing full well the weight of responsibility that they carry but also be able to carry other people on their team be able to work with there's a scene where they have to work with some um people who have been deeply impacted by what's happened and they have to you know suddenly be incredibly human instantly after doing and present for other people having just done something really really stressful um they're obviously very present with each other and and have this kind of yeah this wonderful rapport with each other that again feels very naturalistic they're not kind of nudging and winking and slapping each other on the back but it is they have their own shorthand at this stage, which feels very um, lived in and that you can pick up on very easily. But yeah, I, I just love that the spotlight on this was the job that needed to be done. And it wasn't building up characters. It wasn't spending loads of time weaving in stories and and kind of double twists and, and whatnot. It was just kind of this needs doing, this needs doing, this task needs doing, this task needs doing, and they do it to the best of their abilities. It's so watchable. Um yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It was fucking tense. Taught mm. was the word. It was fucking taught. Um, which is why that dog scene just knocked me mm. for six. Because it just <laughs> breaks open that really like hard shell of what's going on. It just breaks open in that second. And you you kind of it's yeah, you kind of feel the breath leave you a little bit when that happens, which is great. But yeah, no, I thought it was absolutely extraordinary. And I, I can't watch Vicky McClure enough. I think she's She's one of our our best telly actors, really. So it's it's great to see her doing something like this. It's very um, good. It's not it's yeah. not particularly plotty, I will say, mm. in this first episode. Like it, it's all it's all set piece, action set piece, little in the way of intrigue. I mean, perhaps that will follow because obviously it's setting up some stuff. Uh, but like, where's line of duty? It's all plot, 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 plot with action in. This was all yeah. action without mm. an awful lot of sort of like narrative framework to support it, which I will say is absolutely unsustainable over an entire series. But I do. We've only seen the first episode. I strongly suspect that the plot stuff will follow. I think they deliberately structured it this way 
away with a big action explosive first episode and then we will understand the sort of ramifications of it all going forward um but uh, yeah i thought it was i thought it was a lot of fun didn't quite know what i was going to make of it but yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised i definitely want to watch more of these so um trigger point then uh which the first season is series of which begins on itv on the 23rd of january at 9 p.m next up this week we have queens which sees a hip-hop girl band from the 90s bury their rivalries and come together for a reunion gig now the members of this group known as the nasty bitches are called professor sex butter pecan jill the thrill and explicit lyrics true story beth was this nasty or nice <laughs> this was so i went into two of the shows this week basically completely blind how you know i just literally was like right yeah no that's what i need to watch i just need to jump in and watch it okay this looks like comedy kind of thing and then i i opened with eve and i just lost my shit like lost my shit um <laughs> and and just ah oh, ah oh, it was just such a joy to kind of see her and brandy um who were very formative artists of my of my youth um, coming together for this like very lovely reunion comedy. Um, so yeah, they they're a, a former girl group who were very big. They had one massive album in the late nineties, and then there you know inevitably there was inner band politics that became too much. They went their separate ways, um, and then in the current day their lives just aren't living up to the same thrill that they had when they were together. All four of them have their own kind of. Um, very quite layered um individual storylines so one is um she's a lesbian but hasn't come out to her husband so she's in this kind of she's trapped in this marriage but has a a lover who wants her to leave her husband so that's one um band member eve's character is with a husband who has cancer but he's also um a bit of a naughty one we'll say he's definitely on the naughty list not the nice list um and then we have a a rising daytime uh kind of good morning america show host um and then brandy's character is kind of this burgeoning independent musician who just is a bit of a bad mum and can't get her feet off the ground so that's their kind of individual makeups and then they come together to tour with this kind of young instagram friendly kind of product of the music industry um and it's just oh it it comes together so nicely they decide to come together and inevitably that's what's going to happen they all come back together they give it one after out and just to see those artists come together and kind of free form rap is such a simple premise but it made me i think just for sheer nostalgia it's going to make a lot of people just very very happy to see that happen um and then it has loads of kind of baked in commentary about the music industry being black in the music industry, being queer in the music industry. The, you know, it, it really digs into what it means to be a woman, uh, the, the younger woman, the younger performer, she has um, problems with drug addiction, which, you know, is obviously something that's been very largely contested within the music industry, especially with people like Amy Winehouse. So they're kind of in, interrogating that as well going on, but it still has these wonderful, fun, ensemble pieces where they all come together and just get to really get their teeth into the music which is the thing that they really love and that's when the show's at its best there's this great it's not spoiled to say this is just great performance at the end with the five of them there together and it just oh i just thought it was joyful it's, it's a bit soapy so it is a bit light in tone sometimes but i i had so much fun watching this it was such a pleasant surprise 
I have questions. Of course <laughs> I bet you, you do. So, this, can yeah. I just say, this, the whole idea of James watching this show had me in stitches. I was like... <laughs> yeah, no way. Do you know what? Just, that just adds such a wonderful yeah, layer to everything I watched. Fact, I was like... Yeah. Just yeah. the idea of James having to watch this thing about these female rappers from the nineties, like a massive cultural, I'm guessing a cultural blind spot at best. Um, I remember the nineties. It's about a decade. So okay, so here's the question I was going to ask you. I did not know that so these people all had musical careers outside of this TV show. Like they are, they were famous independent of this show. Am I right in saying that? Most of them, I not know, all of them. Yeah, most. most of them did. So. You would have known. It, it'll be one I of mean, those things where you know. No, Beth, Beth, you wouldn't. No. <laughs> no idea. No. Randy, really famous. No, he has no fucking no, idea. Not a clue. <laughs> Right. I was going to say, because actually they're really like good. Like when they perform in the show, yes. it's like actually it's yes. such a... I will say, so I, patronizing. I, I, like, I know, you're quite Do you know what? Good. They weren't bad. <laughs> they were actually pretty good. No, but to be fair, like, I was dreading watching this. Like this felt like a show that I would fucking hate. And yet it actually is quite good. Like yeah. in that they're all really likable and their characters are quite well-defined and distinct. And well, okay, likable maybe isn't the word, but enjoyable. They're very enjoyable on screen and their their interactions were enjoyable as well so actually it kept my attention all the way through and when they do perform i was actually pretty like you know pretty impressed you know what i mean but <laughs> I actually I thought, this is pretty good like this is i'm enjoying this like this is this is some good shit so um so yeah i i surprisingly i mean obviously i'm never gonna watch it again but but nevertheless i actually did i, I did think it was good i didn't hate it at all so it was i was pleasantly surprised <laughs> What a glowing endorsement. Yeah, glowing endorsement. <laughs> and also the idea of you kind of digesting, you know, Professor Sex, um, the thrill, butter pecan. Yeah, it's brilliant. Little muffin. Um, it is really entertaining. Really, really entertaining. Yeah, it's definitely like self-consciously quite soapy, isn't it? Like even down to the titles and the music yeah. and like the whole first kind of 10 minutes, the way they introduce the characters with flashbacks. It's quite dynasty-ish, really. I mean, it's like, it's yeah. like kind of, you know, know if dynasty was rap did rap in the, the 21st century it would be like this and um i mean tim stories directing it and he it was he can he, I mean, he did the terrible Fantastic Four films, didn't he? But he's done some decent comedy. I think he's better with comedy and, you know, kind of um, that kind, this kind of material. It's just very slick, very entertaining, soapy. I mean, some of the dialogue, some of the unbelievable um, expositionary dialogue is funny. Like, characters will say stuff like, yes, he's been having an affair with me since 1992, and now I found out in 1997. It's almost like some of them, like, filling in their timelines <laughs> yeah. of what's yeah. been happening in their lives to explain to the to the viewer what the hell is going on but as beth was saying it really deals with all these issues without using that horrible word issues in a very light light way in a very you know sexuality and um racism in the business there's a reference to there's a white there's a white hipster manager of Ugh. a hot up and coming young black female rapper that they want to work with and he is you know he's really entertainingly <laughs> shit and a bell end and they and, and so it kind of taps into a lot of those i those issues to use that word again in the music industry and in in in, in celebrity in general but in a really entertaining, not heavy-handed, whatever the opposite of heavy-handed is, way. So it is extremely pacey and fast-moving and instant, full of incidents. Someone get, finds their husband sleeping with another woman, then 10 seconds later, like, they're dealing with that for the whole family. You know, it's like the pace of 
the pace of the storylining is is like a soap opera, and I think that's you know used often used saying something soapy. We've been through this before on this podcast. You know, if, is that a compliment? I think in this case, it's totally a compliment because the great thing about soaps is they go through storyline and plot really quickly, and yet. If yet managing you, it to feel authentic and real at the same time, or at least believable, and I think that's what this does. I believed in the, I believed in the characters and the situations they're going through and the entanglements that they're in, um, to to a large extent. So yeah, I thought it was really good. Queens then, which comes to star on Disney Plus on Wednesday, January the nineteenth. Also this week, we have La Fortuna. This is a Spanish miniseries from Alejandro Amenabar, uh, director of The Others, uh, which stars Stanley Tucci, Tania Miller, and Clark Peters, among others. This is an adaptation of a graphic novel whose Spanish title I will not attempt to mangle, uh, but it debuted in the US last year, and it involves a shipwreck and a treasure hunter. But is there treasure within Boyd? This is just a weird one, isn't it? This is just like, what? It's one of those shows that you have to get to grips with what the hell how the hell it came to be made what it is it's like so it's basically a spanish show um about a group of americans led by stanley tucci's frank wilde brilliantly named frank wilde um who is in charge of he travels the world basically looking for treasure he can grab hold of uh, before anyone else anyone else kind of lays claim to it particularly nations like spain and in this um story he's already grabbed hold of as, as as is revealed the greatest the most valuable treasure ever found in the sea ever and it clearly belongs or at least the spanish have a claim to it but he gets it already and he tries to get the lawyer um played by clark peters on their side so that they can instantly deflect any claims from anyone else particularly the Spanish before they've even been made. Clark Peters refuses to do that, and he wants to work for the other side. And then it's it's like a half and half series. So half of it seems to be following Stanley Tucci and his daughter and his gang as they've found this stuff at the bottom of the ocean and how they're going to cling on to it in the face of the Spanish wanting their th- And the other half of it is following this young guy who looks about 12 years old, Spanish guy, while he helps out the Spanish, translates them and um you know help spanish um, politicians basically with their claim to the treasure that the americans have got and so it's half spanish pretty much i would say the the dialogue half american it feels slightly odd that someone of Stanley Tucci's stature in a way would be taking this role because even though I can't, it's ostensibly the lead but he's only really in half the show um at least the, you know i think it's going to play out that way as the whole series goes on um, Tanai Miller, I love her, you know, from from years and years. The the Russell T. Davis she plays, she's really good. She's good in everything, but she kind of plays this 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 woman who comes butting up against Stanley Tucci. Their scenes together are really funny. Clark Peters is amazing, and you know, as charismatic as he always is. Um, and I kind of was very interested in it, but and yet at the same time, I felt like it was a little like I like, I couldn't understand how it was a graphic novel for a start because most of the scenes in this first episode, at least after they find the treasure, are people chatting to each other in offices and you know just kind of people talking about stuff and i was like how was this ever a graphic novel that like, what was what was the visual you know of visuals of that because it's not a particularly visual show so far anyway in the first episode it's more lots of people kind of chatting and and deciding what to do about the situation of this lost um treasure so i mean it was decent don't get me wrong and i love stanley tucci and i will watch him in anything and he's brilliant in everything down to his lovely CNN food show that was fantastic. and um, But it just felt slightly inessential, and I wasn't quite sure um, 
what the whole point of it was, apart from just shows. I mean, I have no idea about the, the rules with treasure being found by, you know, American adventurers. And it's an interesting world that I have no idea about. So it's certainly taking me into that world. But I'm not sure if I really need to carry on and stay in that world for a whole series. Yeah, I would agree with you that this was the other one I went into completely blind and was completely bamboozled by all of it. <laughs> um, I just, I'm, and again, I guess they are just faithfully adapting this source material, but I don't know why you would have a show about Stanley Tucci playing, who is literally described in the first episode as a fucking pirate, like going across the ocean, you know, taking whatever he can with his family. And then turning it into kind of a two-act thing with this wet behind the ears lad who's trying to, you know, running through libraries and offices and trying to find, you know, running his finger along the lines of maritime law, trying to kind of catch him out. It just feels like, why would you have this whole, what feels like a fully formed story to me? You know, this guy, this kind of swindling modern age pirate going around and doing things and being a bit dastardly and then kind of counter it with this quite uninspiring like clerical guy who's trying to kind of shoot him down in the most boring way possible. At least get another pirate in. Pirate on pirate. Fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> but this feels very like, I don't know, it reminded me, it reminds me of that film Jupiter Ascending where there's this really stupid long section where they're essentially in like a tax office, like trying to get the right certificates to do their taxes, I, I seem to remember from that film. And it just felt so odd and so weird in a fantasy thing to have this like weird administrative segment. Mm. And it feels like, yeah, countering this, this you know, actually interesting kind of voyage that Stanley teaches is on with his family with this weird administrative <laughs> narrative just like undoes that work for me. So yeah, it felt... Um, it felt pretty uninspiring by the end. And yeah, it is such a strange choice for Stanley Tucci. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's throwing out some wild cards in his, on the film side of things, definitely. Um, but with this, yeah, it felt, it felt yeah. a little bit strange. I, I want to see the documentary of the commissioning of this series and where, how they managed to get Stanley Tucci involved. I really want to see, like, what did they do? Did Honestly. They, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I did not see this because ah. the screener did not arrive in time. Oh, so yeah. I was unable to watch it. But frankly, I would watch the Tooch talk about really yeah. anything. Oh, yeah, same. So same. <laughs> if, yeah. if the Tooch did a commentary on, you know, whatever TV show you guys love but I hate, I would 100% listen to it. So, you know, Brilliant. more power to him. Anyway, La Fortuna, much like the treasure in the show, needs to be hunted out. <laughs> <laughs> and if you wish to hunt for La Fortuna, you will need to dig in AMC UK. Where do we find AMC UK, Boyd? It's exclusive, James, to BT TV. So you can only get it on BT TV, which is interesting. <laughs> so this is quite a niche review in it's many quite ways. A niche. But, you know, having said that, we Sky Atlantic is still, as far as I'm aware, not available on various platforms, unbelievably. So, you know, there are people who, I mean, our listeners are probably among the most kitted yes. up TV people of in the world ever so some of them will have bt tv and some of them will have access to amc on that very show well, if you have bt tv <laughs> then you can hunt for la fortuna on there this week uh, on amc uk um what else is out this week now also we haven't seen only boyd has seen but you will have heard nel Tiger free talk about it a little bit earlier but season three of servant servant returns for its third season this week on apple now we loved 
Servant Season 1, like more than we can possibly say. And Servant Season 2, I think it's fair to say we were a little bit underwhelmed by. So, Boydie, is Season 3 returned to form, would you say? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's, I think it is, by the way, um, officially embargoed still till the day of release. So, but I, I, I'm going to say, yeah, but I'm going to say I, it is a return to form. Um, I don't care what they are. You know, they're not going to arrest me for saying this that. This is your non-review. Uh, this is just this a is reflection. My, my non-review the- <laughs> from the trailers. From the trailers I've from seen. From the trailers of Servant Season <laughs> um, it's, it's totally, it's a total. I mean, I, I, I would say this about Season 2, actually, is, to be fair, I think it went, it went a little bit off the rails because it was trying to be, it was trying to open it up a bit from the very, very intense focus of season one. And this whole series really te- it takes place in one setting, this, ma- this incredible house in Philadelphia where they all live, where, you know, the nanny lives with the couple and the, and the kid, which is, starts being the the um, the doll. And now is, by the way, a, a, a living, functioning human being baby. Quite how that's happened is one of the ongoing mysteries. But anyway, so it's very intense that it's that it's all in this set setting, and and they kind of not so much opened out, but they they gave a whole new level to that house to Nell Tigerfield's character in series two, and it felt and some of the some of the twists felt a little bit contrived. But actually, I think it got back on track in season two, and I thought the last half of season two was really good again. But season three keeps that keeps that, and it's in still right from the start. I love the freaky weirdness of the whole thing and it's and it's properly black comedy like you know there's a there's an incident in the kitchen because obviously um, the, the the husband is the brilliant chef, genius chef. And there's an incident in the kitchen in this in this series, season two. I think it's an episode two that is wildly funny and really sick. And that funny sick thing that goes carries on. It's always been what makes it brilliant from the start. And that they really really go, go take that to new extremes. I think in this series. Oh, so God. yeah. Is there anything more disgusting than the bit with Toby Kebbell's hand in the second season <laughs> opener? That was, I've, yeah. I genuinely nearly threw up. Yeah. Like I nearly threw up. That yeah. was disgusting. I mean, yes, there are, Beth, let me just say. I mean, if you don't like, <laughs> yeah, if you're not a fan of lots of insects, let me just, I mean, yeah, get ready. There are, there are really effective little moments of disgustingness, yeah, which they, they're very good at that. Um, so I really, I really, really liked it. And there's a whole thing about the cult, the religious cult, that neotography may or may not be part of that I find fascinating as well. So I'm fully on board. So the trailers for Serpent <laughs> yeah. Season 3... <laughs> are available on Friday on Apple. Uh, what else is happening this week? Treadstone somehow returns, it seems, <laughs> on five actions, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> Ozark, Ozark. So yes. the first half yes. of the final season, so season 4A of Ozark, uh, drops on Netflix on 21st of January. To my eternal shame, I've never seen a single episode of Ozark, but I hear it's great. Ozark is really, really good. I mean, it's got better and better as it's gone on. Um, and I am—I um, haven't got the episodes to watch yet and because I knew we wouldn't be able to review it on the show. But people love Ozark. I mean, pro- for, for a lot of people, it's up there with like the Breaking Bads and the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. at that level of obsession for its fans. And I do think Jason Bateman and Laura Linney are fantastic in it. Um, and I watched... I. I think I watched most of the last series, but I probably didn't finish it, so I need to catch up with that. And I'm looking forward to it. It is really, really well done. Like I think because mm. it's a little bit like a bit Breaking Baddy and a bit gangstery and a bit. It's like feels like a little lot of different elements of of prestige TV drama. But yeah. I do think that the, it's eked out its own tone totally. 
Um, and so I really like it. And Jason Bateman directs it, quite a lot of it now as well. So it's fascinating. Yeah. I th- so it's a big deal. It's up there with Better Call yeah, Saul. Better Call something Saul, that right. I, I need to watch and should be watching, yes. but I'm not. Yes. Um, uh, what else? Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, lands on Apple oh, on the 21st. Wow. <laughs> For wow. those of you who are excited about that. Uh, beyond that, I don't know, The Rookie Season 4 for Nathan Fillion Stands. That comes to Sky Witness on the 20th. I think that's broadly speaking it, though, isn't it, Boyd? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. Well, what's our pick of the week? Oh, it's got to be Queens for me. Lots of fun. Lots oh, trigger of point fun. for me. Trigger point for me. Yeah. Uh, a great. second vote for trigger point from me as well. Well, that is it for this week's show. If you enjoyed it, then do please subscribe. The Pilot TV podcast is in your ears every Monday to bring you the very latest from the world of Peak TV. And feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or feedback to us directly on social media at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb. Next week's is a spoiled for shows to choose from, uh, with post-apocalyptic sci-fi Station Eleven finally making its UK appearance on Stars Play. The After Party comes to Apple, very exciting. Billions and Snowpiercer return, and The Gilded Age comes to Sky. So have lots to choose from there. Uh, we also have another guest double bill, because the incredible Carrie Coon is joining us on the show to talk about The Gilded Age, and Stanley Tucci, the Tucci himself, has brought himself all the way from AMC UK uh, to come and talk to us about about treasure hunting and that is very exciting as well because it's the dooch um i on the other hand will not be treasure hunting but will need to hunt out something other than the expanse to watch as if anything could fill that magnificent show's mag boots oh yeah dang belt a loader pilot out <laughs>